Episode 0006 wow. of the Brian Trust. I know. Uh, I am Brian. I, too, also am Brian. And we are fortunately, this, this week, we also have a guest co-host with us. Mm-hmm. Why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, my name is also Brian. Uh, Yay! So, wow. <laughs> completing the triumvirate. What yes. are the odds? This is good. In fact, this is, in fact, Brian Panks, who... For those dedicated listener or half listener of the show, We're talking to you, uh, was with us all the way back in our premiere episode, mm-hmm. um, and we brought we asked Brian to come join us. Uh, we will be talking Star Wars today again. Uh, yes, we did recently just do it in episode four, but you know that's not enough discussion. We no. we're we're not talked out yet, so no, no. we need but to. But now uh, we brought a subject matter expert as we said that we would as we said we would we had him back on granted granted the movie's been out for a couple months already and probably will have left the theater by the time this episode airs i don't think so but that's okay because the blu-ray release is allegedly just around the corner Mm. so we'll see you know but then we can get our then we can get our spoiler discussion on with a clear conscience because it's been two months and if you haven't seen it already what the hell is wrong with you i know go outside right (laughs) We'll expect a frame-by-frame frame dissection of the video at that point. Yes. Yeah. Well, and and to be fair, I think that's probably more in the direction we'll be headed this time with our con- with our conversation than because uh, last time we talked about it, uh, Brian and I specifically we mostly just focused on all the weird kind of fan theories mm-hmm. that had cropped up on like who Ray is and who Finn is and Snoke and like all the origins of these characters because there's so many gaps in that. But I wanted to focus this time specifically just on the movie itself and kind of the experience of going because you have seen it you said you've only you've seen it once we've all at least seen it once i think i'm the only one who's actually seen it more Mm -hmm. than once yep a disturbing number of times in fact one of these things is not like the other (laughs) this is true this is so very true um but first obviously i think we want to obviously we want to roll into our other fun stuff yeah so we've got uh some news items this week, don't we? We do. Yeah. Brian's in the news. Okay. Uh, Brian, do you want to go first or should I go first? Or I'll, well, I'll go first this time. Okay. Why yeah. Why, Why not? not? Yes, please. Why not? Uh, okay. So out of the comics panel, I picked this one just because it was a funny title. Okay. Uh, Brian Chippendale's Puke Force 2016's first comics masterpiece. Oh well, that is that is a high bar to set. I don't know what. Uh, What's puke force? I don't please. know. <laughs> what is puke force? Do you, get, uh, do you have some details at least? I don't. Well, let's see. Uh, it. Well, well, wow. This article is seven pages long. Uh, it goes through the different comics and things. But let's see if it's got. I'll read the uh, first paragraph of this thing. Right, it's there you from. Go. Yeah. Uh, 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 Shea Hannum, Tim O'Neill, Kaylin Rosberg, and. Oliver Saba. Uh, 
And this is a, it, it's been 15 years since the closure of the Fort Thunder Art Space in Providence. Many Fort Thunder alumni have gone on to notable careers in the visual arts and music, but none have made the impact of Brian Chippendale, although he may be slightly better known as the drummer and vocalist for Lightning Bolt. Uh, he also assembled an intimidating body of work as a cartoonist and visual artist. Puke Force, uh, drawn and quarterly, only confirms his status as one of our best living cartoonists. Very interesting. Huh. Uh, and then okay. it just goes well, on. It just I, talks about all these comic. Uh, I I didn't know there were any of the references they made in that paragraph. I didn't either, but I just <laughs> thought it was a funny. Uh, so he's a drummer, and he's a okay. Well, we'll save the link for the show notes. Obviously, like we do with all these stories, just right. so sure. folks can check it out and read. If they want to read all seven pages, they can. And the puke force, puke, <laughs> puke force is here. Puke force, yay! Puke force, <laughs> butt stuff, twenty sixteen, yay. <laughs> How did Butt Stuff do, by the way? Do we even I follow up no, on that? No, I don't think he actually. No, I, I we'll have to do a follow up next episode on on that. Now that now that the the major field is winnowing down, we'll follow up yeah. and see what's going on with some. I of was those really candidates. hoping the best for Butt Stuff. Well, speaking of politics, that was not an unintentional <laughs> segue, but that that's my story. Um, out of Pennsylvania, my oh. old haunts, uh, and Hello. and Brian Panks, yours as well for from college. There, I remember uh, mm-hmm. Brian Sims, who is a member of the State House of Representatives in Pennsylvania, oh. uh, representing um, parts of Philadelphia specifically. He was seeking the seat for Pennsylvania's second congressional district. Uh, he is actually now dropping out of the race. He is the first openly gay man elected to state office in Pennsylvania. Hmm. Um, but he's decided to withdraw from the congressional race and endorse one of his uh, fellow state house members for the job. Hmm. Uh, it doesn't really say why. He just he mainly says that he you know he feels the this other gentleman Dwight Evans is better equipped. Okay. For the congressional seat, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. Uh, the current representative uh, Chaka Fata, I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly, has. Had, uh, has run into a bunch of scandals lately, things oh. like that. So his seat's considered vulnerable. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate, but he's going to stay. He's running for re-election for the state house still. So Okay. And it makes sense. I don't know. Sometimes some of the trending, depending on... Yeah, depending on the the demographics and things with uh, the districts and stuff. But he should be okay for the most part. Philly's a pretty, pretty blue area of Pennsylvania. So it's not like... Hmm. It'd be a huge problem, but you never know. Yeah, uh, I mean, know I almost think doesn't... that, uh, you know, you, you kind of have to have your, your scandals out there. Uh, if you're a politician in Philadelphia with, like, no uh, untoward things going on, then people assume that you're doing even worse things. So it's yeah, like, oh, well, yeah, he, yeah here's my scandals, you know. Yeah, he just hadn't been caught yet. Yeah, he hadn't been yeah. caught yet. Like, whoops. <laughs> What are you, a Kennedy? Uh, yeah, what's going on here? Yeah, so that's unfortunate, but at least, he, I mean, he's still staying in public service at some level, so that's good for him. Uh, he, um, this art, this article came to, out of the Advocate magazine, which is the major, one of the major LGBT publications out there. Uh, he was listed as one of their 40 under 40 last year, so oh. I'm not sure what that means. I didn't read the article. I didn't read that article. I wonder what the other 39 did. Uh, I don't know. So, but yeah, good for him though for for sticking sticking in the game at least. And yeah, 
you know, trying to make a difference. Right. So yep. Yeah. Right on. What's your, what else you got? That's it. We should make it short okay. and sweet. We got a lot of okay. stories. I got one more story then. Well, then you I do? got one more oh, story what? because I need you no go ahead. obituary. I'll pick, no I'll pick obituary. another one too. Go ahead. No obituaries this time. Oh, okay. let's keep it light. Let's keep it light and fluffy. Okay. Um, I am. I'm given the given the topic of our episode. I may talk a little treason here, but I'm going to talk Star Trek for a moment. Okay. Uh, and that's uh, coming out of the reports from CBS that uh, Brian Fuller, Ooh. who is the guy behind pushing daisies and Hannibal and Wonderfalls, right? Who got his start on Star Trek: The Deep Space Nine, oh. has been tapped to be the showrunner for the new series that's premiering next year. Oh. Uh, so that's, yeah, it's kind of interesting. I, I think it's an interesting choice. It's good because he's got this, he's got the bona fides, his schedule's free because Hannibal was canceled. Um, although I, I think my major concern is I watched the, his attempted reboot of, um, the Munsters, mm. which was absolutely horrible. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just one of the worst pieces of garbage I have ever seen. Oh, if you think about it, it was like the Munsters. If it if it looked like pushing daisies, I mean, it was weirdly. It just it just looked there. It just did not fire. And Jerry O'Connell as Herman Munster was just. Oh. It was just not good. Okay, that's that's my that that that's the only hesitation I have. But I know that he is a huge Star Trek fan, and like I said, that's how he got his professional start. Was actually because mm. he wrote a spec script originally for DS Nine. Mm-hmm. Back in the days when some shows would still allow that, um, unsolicited from fans, you know, the unsolicited scripts from fans, and that's how he got his job on staff. So, mm. um, good for him, you know. <laughs> I, I so I'm eager to see what he does. I, I suspect it won't be as bad as all that, but then again, he was a major force behind Voyager too. So. Mm. <laughs> I'm a little, t- I'm torn, as you can mm. tell. I'm clearly mm. torn. Mm. Um, but good for him for succeeding for him. on that. And and Alex Kurtzman, who was um, a writer and producer on the J.J. Abrams Trek movies, is yeah. also running, partially is involved as an executive producer. So Okay. It should be an interesting balance. So I, I'm interested to see more about that. Sure. Uh, going ahead. But, yeah. You know what? Enough about Star Trek. Let's... Let's well, talk have, Star Wars. Wait, 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 wait. What? Oh, no, wait, what? Oh, one more. Oh, you got one more? I got one more. Just real quick, real quick. It's an obituary, isn't no, it? No, 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 no. No, okay. this is actually, no, not at all. Okay. Uh, so I have out of the Huffington Post UK, Brian Blessed reads pizza poetry. Oh. Right? Awesome. So you can imagine dining with him this Valentine's Day. Now, this podcast is after Valentine's Day, but... Uh, this was uh, this was published Brian, February. Brian 13th. Blessed is awesome any time of the year. So yeah, I, I love the beginning of this article. It's really funny. Uh, it, it, it's a single on Valentine's Day. Thinking of pinging an application to take me out? Well, look no further because we raise you, Brian Blessed, reading pizza poetry to set your heart alight. <laughs> That's right. You can now imagine yourself winning, winning, no, self whining. Maybe whining. Oh, it is whining. That's right. You can now imagine yourself whining and dining with one of Britain's most beloved national treasures while he treats you to a veritable eargasm of food porn poetry. <laughs> I love this. Nice. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Is there a video? or is There is a video or... uh, in okay. the article. There sure is. All right. You don't have to play it now. We'll, we'll link I won't, it in the show I won't play it. We'll I link it, but it's, a, it's hilarious. That's Brian awesome. Bless him. He's Very actually cool. listed as a potential guest on this show. 
That is true. Well, obviously, because he meets the qualifications. So, Correct. If he's somebody named Brian that we really want to talk to. So like, hey, all right. It could no, happen. I've been, I've been a huge fan of Brian Blessed's for years. And with roles in Excalibur and Henry V and, of course, Flash Gordon. Right. Um, yeah, he was Hawkman. He was he one was, of the – Yeah, yeah. He's Voltan, King of the Die. Hawkman. So – among other things that he's yeah. done, um, I'm a huge fan. I would love to chat with him. Mm-hmm. And he, he has something of an online presence, too. He's done a lot of like YouTube videos, and mm. I think he had a brief web series for a while. It was really bizarre. It was like Henry IV living in like a little flat in like mm. South London somewhere. It was right. really strange. Like, the, what is this internet? You know, so it was... <laughs> I remember that it was from like five or five or six years ago, but um, yeah, no, it's pretty cool. And hopefully we get a chance to talk to him while he's yeah. still breathing. Yes. Uh, oh. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I just got to say. Um, so yes. Okay. So on that happy note, then shall we roll on into Star Wars, which he was also in yeah. episode one. He was the voice of uh, boss Nass, the guy, mm. you know, so that good so, segue. Yes. A decent segue. Decent um, segue. Obviously, we shall now sound the topic-appropriate spoiler horn. Sound the alarm. <laughs> you all right there? <laughs> yeah. It was a good excuse to clear my throat. <laughs> the, the spoiler horn has sounded. Um, for those of you who... For some reason, want to keep listening to this episode. If you haven't seen the movie, great. Awesome. Thank you for staying. Mm-hmm. For those of you who do, you can jump ahead to two hours, two minutes, and 11 seconds. And resume the conversation after after our going out. Okay. Oh, dear God. This movie is so awesome. <laughs> I think I say that every time I'm in conversation with somebody. I'm like, ah! It's so awesome. You squee every time we talk about I this. I do. Movie. I don't know why. This is this is a movie this I have not had a movie affect me this way in a very, very long time. Good. The fact that I, I, I would say even even more so than my original reaction to the Phantom Menace, mm. which which I saw twice in the theater. Uh this one I've seen four times. <laughs> so it was kind of very, very exciting. I would say so. Brian, we got your hot take the last episode. So, Panks, I want to ask you: You saw the movie. What was your what was your kind of your initial sort of hot take coming out of the movie overall? Well, my initial take, as far as the the movie was concerned, was that it was really kind of a a mashup and, and like a condensation of the original trilogy to kind of reestablish it and introduce. Um, you know, new viewers, the young viewers, to the entire universe and, and kind of the uh, the entire Star Wars realm. And I thought that it was a very good uh, good way of doing that, kind of to, to kind of expose them to that and then build the story off of there. Um, the, you know, if you notice, as far as what they included in the movie, you've got uh, your desert world you've got your ice world you've got your forest world and so you know they definitely did try and incorporate like all of these different elements and it's it is very much a retelling of the things that happened in the original trilogy um but it was done with a a unique enough spin that 
you know, it was different. Uh, and, you know, what, it wasn't just a pure, like, point-by-point reenactment of the, the original trilogy. Right. Okay. Yeah, because they did kind of what I liked. And I did I, – I noticed that too. I, everybody – everybody, a lot of people, obviously, it's the internet, so everybody has their opinions and sounds them loudly. Mm-hmm. They sure do. But the idea that people – a lot of people complained about that rehashing, I was like – well, no, it makes sense because after the it's I, I like to think of it as kind of a palate cleanser, um, kind of washing away the stain of the prequels a little bit. Not it's not dismissing them completely, but it's reminding us that this is actually we're picking up where the story actually leaves off, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to the end of episode three, which is kind of the last Star Star Wars movie that uh, most of us really kind of saw yeah. fresh. Yeah, and so it's that idea of setting up taking taking those things and reestablishing them for a new generation before kind of going off in a new direction you know, the way they want know, to. And if Ryan with Ryan Johnson directing episode eight, anything is possible. Yeah. So I'm you know, a question to, I get asked a lot is do you have to watch the the uh, prequels before you go see this movie? And I always say, well, if you have a working knowledge of the story, probably not. It's good to catch up because you'll you'll enjoy it more. I think you know, it's what do you guys I, think? I think it's worth I think it's worth the prequels, no. Like you don't have to have seen the prequel. The like, like one, the, origi- two, three. the, the yeah. original trilogy, yeah, it's probably worth seeing to kind of establish that baseline. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, but again, because the way the way Episode Seven was set up, you really don't have to. No, yeah. you can enjoy. But I think it, I think uh, you'll get. Yeah, I think well, you'll get more of the references. That's the thing. It's yeah. like I, I don't think that one through episodes one through three were necessary in any way, shape, or form. There was like one line that references that. Um, yeah, right. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that was about it. But, uh, you know, it, it actually, the way that they crafted it um, makes uh, comparable, like, to the people that are watching it, the kids that are watching it now, uh, and the actual characters involved in the story, uh, where you've kind of got. They're familiar with the names Darth Vader, Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, but they don't really know, you know, all the details, all the intricacies, any of the character development, things like that, much in the same way that Ray and Finn uh, are familiar with these names, but, you know, wouldn't recognize the Millennium Falcon, you know, for example, like sitting in the middle of a lot. Uh, You know, it's just another junk ship. Right. With right, a big tarp yeah, over it. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, you never know, and that's the thing when they when they establish that, and we'll we'll come back to that scene when they establish that idea. Like, we don't know how long it's been sitting there, really. Um, we know that we get the provenance of it in the later scene when they talk about, well, he stole it from him, who stole it from him, who stole it from me. You know, it's kind wow. of that whole thing. I'm I I my interest, my curiosity is how the hell did you lose it? How did how, how did Han Solo lose the Falcon in the first place? Right. Um, and who drove it there and parked it on that? Well, they stole. Well, that's the provenance thing. Like people stole it from different people. But I'm kind of curious. I would love to see a short film following that journey. Like how did the, how the Falcon end up in in the middle yeah. of the desert in yeah. a junkyard, essentially? Yeah. Um, well, I imagine I, you know okay. he just parked it in a bad neighborhood when you know he and Leah and Ben were off like picking up some McDonald's or something like that. You know, game back. Somebody stole the battery. Right. (laughs) I told you we shouldn't have eaten at Pizza the Hut. (laughs) But, uh, 
Nice. So, okay. Well, I want to go back and this is kind of, this was, this was my initial experience watching it the first time. This was something, this was my initial experience of this. And I think it was part of it because it's so ingrained after 30, after seeing the other, all, uh, all the other six movies so many times. Maybe, I don't know if this happened for you guys. Did you miss the Fox fanfare at the beginning? I did. A little bit. Because for me, it's like such an ingrained part of that. Like yeah. when that when that fanfare starts, it's like, oh, good, Star Wars is starting, you know? Yeah. And for me, it was when it popped up, it just like the Lucasfilm logo popped up and in dead silence. I'm like, oh, oh, wait, I think it's starting. Is it starting? Oh, I can't yeah, tell. I is it a trailer something? And something was missing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And yeah, in subsequent viewings, it wasn't quite so bad. I think it may have just been the theater I was at. Um, it just was very, it was very jarring and it still, it took me a couple of minutes to kind of recover and be like, okay, now, and I can kind of get back into the action of what's going well, on. On the flip side of that, I was kind of glad that it wasn't like, you know, Corsican turning into the Disney castle kind of thing. Oh. Well, yeah, yeah, that is, that's true. That's true. I would have liked to see, I thought it would have been interesting if they had done, because they're obviously not going to license it from Fox because they, you know, it, it, these days with corporations, it's all about the IP. You want to completely own as much as you can. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, Fox is still Fox getting Fox anything is, about that. Well, yeah, Fox is still getting their piece though of the of the other movies. So of all of the of the rest of the Star Wars movies. So you know, um, so yeah. What I I think what the other thing that kind of caught me was the the crawl at the beginning, the text crawl. And a lot of that's just because of digital technology. And stuff. it was so crisp and clear to watch. Like it was almost, it felt almost unnatural because it was like, oh my God, it's so clean compared to even the, even the prequel trilogies in HD. Like you watch it in HD and they're still not as clear as watching the force awakens was with that, with the text going across the screen. I don't know if, if I'm alone yeah. on that or yeah. no, it was incredibly, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was lifelike, yeah. especially if you saw it in Atmos. Remember we, we yes, we the Dolby Atmos sound, too. yeah, Holy like the Cine Capri Holy. here in Phoenix, which I know you went and saw. Um, you because you went to the North Scottsdale to Desert Ridge, right, or something? Did you say Panks? Did when you saw? No, it, no, or? I did uh, North Valley sixteen. It's a, it was a standard theater. Uh, okay. We did do the three D showing, um, mm-hmm. which you know to me the three D is not. It's never like even as far as Avatar is concerned, it's never really you know wowed me the way that it it does to some other people. So um, you know it's it's something that yeah I'll take it if it's there and it's interesting to see some of the bigger budget films where they they definitely try and take advantage of it, but for the most part it doesn't add or detract from the experience as far as I'm concerned. I think, and I agree. I I've kind of limited. I'm not a big fan of the the idea of 3D because the few times I'd gone before the most recent technology just gave me a headache. Um, I saw. I did go see the second time I went to see the Force Awakens. I went to see it in 3D. Mm. Um, at the at the uh, the IMAX at the Arizona Mills IMAX in 3D. It didn't really add anything to the experience, though. In fact, I felt like it kind of detracted a little bit because mm. it just, you know, you're basically just relying on a pair of glasses and it's not doing much for the experience that way. I think the only good movies I've seen in 3D that worked really well were, were Tron Legacy because it was shot for that specifically. Um, and then The Martian actually did it really well, too, um, yeah. with its atmospherics right. and the way it worked. Star Wars, it didn't really... For Force Awakens, it just didn't it didn't feel like it meshed, and a lot of that was because they shot 
the movie on film. Yeah, they yeah. only shot it on on seventy millimeter film. They did not. Uh, mm-hmm. They didn't go uh, digital for that right. specifically. And, and, and there so, weren't a whole lot of cheap three D tricks. You know what I mean? Like when when uh, movies yeah. sometimes are shot in three D, like they'll have something come out at you and float in front. You know, just to say, look at three D. Well, I think of that as a positive, though. I actually prefer yeah. that they don't do that because then it's like, oh, three D. You know, it's like. No, what no, was no. It? The, for, the but 3D, for realism, like 3D Clash of the Titans, when they upscaled that for 3D, there's like random spears flying out of the screen, like oh, yeah. yeah well, I, I, I mean, and I think uh, you know, my personal the the way that I view it or the way that it, I, I perceive it uh, is that I think that when we get to the point that it, you actually are able to create a true 3D experience, that will be an entirely different experience. But right now, um, you know, the way that I feel about most 3D movies and the way that most uh, 3D is created is that it really happens more on a, on like a parallax scale, where yeah. it's like you yeah. have lay, you know, background yeah. layer, uh, you yeah. know, uh, housing and uh, you know backdrop kind of deal, uh, you know, characters in the in the background on another layer characters in the foreground there and then maybe something that comes closer to the screen and so it's almost like you're looking at uh you know if you're familiar with photoshop basically stacking layers on each other Mm -hmm. rather than actually creating depth of field right and that was like i know with the 3d at least for when when i talk about the martian and stuff that was the one thing i think that bugged me about it it was really good for the atmospherics like like seeing granules of dust in the air and things like that but when you see the sweeping vistas of like the hills of Mars and stuff, the background, which was probably like 60 miles away is just as crisp as if you're standing right in front of it. And, and when you've got the foreground as well, like everything is crystal clear. So there's no sense of perspective mm-hmm. and it just like, it hurt almost. It was like, ah, uh, yeah, it's like it a gives, cognitive dissonance that your right. brain can't. Well, it gives a lot of people a headache, that. right? Yeah. You're processing too much. You're not well, exactly. Really, you're, yeah, you're not a passive. You know, you're not a passive observer. Well, that's now the, you're that's actually the, that's working, the point yeah. of that's the point of natural focus, though, is yeah. to be able to concentrate on one specific right. element, right. even though your brain, even though your visual cortex is taking in everything around you. Yeah. Like when I look at the screen here, the wall behind me is not super clear mm-hmm. until I right. look up at it. You know, right. and so, um, yeah. So this artificial, and I think that's the problem with 3D is it still feels really artificial in that way. I think right. if it did. If they had maintained the focus properly, I think it would it would have felt more like, oh wow, this feels so much more real. Yeah, I mean, um, it's like yeah, and the, the the best way or the the easiest way I think I can describe it for those that back in the days of the NES is like when you had the cutscenes in games like Ninja Gaiden or things like that, where it was supposed to be a three D field, and you have like the one layer <laughs> running yeah. in the background. And then the next layer, and it's running a little bit faster. And then the next layer, yeah, it's running yeah. faster than that. And so that the idea is that you're creating this cool 3D effect. And it's just like, okay, you just like have like film strips that you're basically pulling at different speeds. Yeah. It's like that training scene in Mike Tyson's Punch Out, where they're on the bike, right? Exactly. <laughs> yep. The city and the river. I was just like, oh, I love that stuff. Oh, um, yeah, it's just there's somebody off screen with a crank, like gotta turn it faster, gotta turn the freak, gotta turn them faster. <laughs> <laughs> well, because it's just a repeated background. Yeah, just right, exactly. And I'm like, oh, there's Big Ben, Parliament. <laughs> um, so yeah. Or the old Scooby Doo cartoons. 
Yeah, yeah exactly. Or, or, or the Flintstones, any of those. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Any of the, yeah, the Hanna Barbera <laughs> stuff from the 60s. Same seven houses like are flying yeah. past And even more modern cartoons still do that, too, because it's cheaper. You know, it keeps production yeah. costs down when you can do that. Um, right. Okay. So getting back to the movie. So we've got, we open on. I liked the the difference of it. It was kind of you still got the ship kind of coming into view. You got the random planet sitting there. I like the difference of we're seeing the underside of the ship from from a distance as opposed to kind of not like the way it flew over from behind from episode four. You know, it's still it's still that echo of most of the Star Wars films opening that way where you get the ship coming down and like it flies overhead, but it's coming in like toward us as opposed to from behind us. You get that kind of, it's got that weird antenna cross thing on the front. You know, it's kind of like, okay, I wonder what that's for. Mm. Um, that's the, the cow catcher. <laughs> it's the star cow catcher, just in case you get the space cows out there. Like, woo, woo. Uh, well, you know, it can be dangerous for space travel. So you gotta, you gotta watch out for that. Yeah, stuff. I mean, you're, yeah. you're traveling at, uh, you know, light speed and, uh, there's an asteroid in your way with a little worm in it. And you, you want to pop that thing over your, uh, your star. I'm not sure. Yeah. And then the, and then the shuttles, like the troop ships kind of leave and stuff, which was really cool. I'm not sure though. I liked the cut into the ship with the flickering lights and the, the weird sort of like glimpses and things. Cause it didn't really add to me. It didn't add a sense of menace. What would what would have been interesting, I think, would have been uh, to be able to provide a planet side view, like yeah. to to be actually be able to look up and they're like, ah, oh, the star destroyers are out again today. Yeah, <laughs> it looks like something I've heard so much about lately. But the but the like the shot in the ship with the troopers going down and stuff like they're just like it's not really with the flickering. I think the lights flickering was like. You guys couldn't afford, you know, better fluorescence or something. It's like, just, just, you know, like I would think your your power grid would probably be able to withstand a an, an atmospheric entry. I don't know. Um, and I think it would have added more dread if you hadn't seen them until the ships land and they come pouring out like a swarm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a la Starship Troopers. You know, it's like it's just the, the thing opens and you go. But, you know, well, and, and I mean, there are a few moments like that throughout the movie where it's like, yeah, you probably could have cut this little bit out and this and tightened things up and it would have been better um, to me, at least. I don't know. I think uh, I think Max von Sydow was completely wasted in the movie. Um, and I don't mean drinking. I mean, he was just like <laughs> yeah. sadly underutilized. I feel like I'm like, what did you see? He didn't look drunk to me. <laughs> Well, he, he survives was all of four minutes the into the movie. I'm like, come on, it's Max von Sydow. <laughs> um, edit that part. <laughs> yeah, you owe, you owe a dollar into the Sorry. swear jar. Yeah, I do owe a dollar to the swear <laughs> jar. But um, it's like, oh man, you could have used him for so much more. I think I think he would have been in a, like a really awesome, and maybe he was a really awesome character originally. Maybe it was one of those things that they cut down in rewrites, or or it's a um, teaser. No, he's dead. Oh, <laughs> what are they going to tease? <laughs> no, I mean, like maybe there's going to be some flashbacking that will know what what was he doing there. I don't know. I I like to think that he's um, I I like to think that he he shows up in Rogue One like he's Mods Mickelson's character in Rogue One as part of the team like stole the plans for the Death Star or something yeah, like that. Something. I don't know. Like they don't really say he he does have an official backstory. Um. On Wikipedia, like they have, they, there is an actual canon backstory for his character, 
which lays to rest. There were a lot of speculation as to who the hell he was before the movie came out. Like they thought he was like an aged Boba Fett oh. or he was uh Kanan Jarrus from rebels. Hmm. Uh, something like that. Cause he, he, he apparently survived the original Jedi purge. So they thought he might actually be a Jedi, but no, he's just a guy. Just a dude. Yeah. He, he's one of the, like the church of the force, which essentially is like today's Jedi religion on earth. You know, the Jedi ism, Mm-hmm. of earth where they're trying to live up to that code mm. even though they're not force users uh, i'm um, imagining him coming back and kind of like uh what happens in uh, mars attacks where uh they end up just like placing his head on a chihuahua body and like <laughs> having him run around <laughs> they'll put his head on 3po's body and put 3po on something else so he can Quip a whole bunch of one-liners again, a la Ep- Attack of the Clones. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh. um, but yeah, no, I, I I liked it, and of course that, that for that very first line of this will begin to make things set things right. I'm like, ooh, mm, Lucas shade <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> threw a bit of shade there, but that was that's fair. Um, so then then we're introduced to to Poe. Yeah. Who I we didn't really get a chance to talk about in the, the last time we were talking about this, mm-hmm. but what what did you think of Poe, uh, Brian? Uh, to be honest, uh, I, I get the feeling that, uh, and you had mentioned like uh, characters that get trimmed down. Uh, you know, I think Poe's character probably ended up getting bumped uh, in, in terms of a lot of the development uh, okay. that that took place. Uh, you know, he is basically supposed to be the ace of, you know, the, the, uh, the, yeah. the, the, you know, the new rebel force, but, uh, it's like, you know, he just shows up and that's kind of it. And, uh, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah. He's, he brings with him a leather jacket and a knowledge of flying TIE fighters. And BB-8. And BB-8. And BB-8. You can't forget about BB-8. That's true. And we'll get to that in a second. Um, well, and, and this was the thing I, I had read online, which is interesting was his part was bumped, but it was actually bumped up, not down. Yeah. Cause he was originally slated like the original version of the script. He was supposed to die in the crash Ooh. Uh, that comes later. He was supposed to die in the TIE fighter crash, mm. which is why all of his scenes after that point are super awkward because it's like, like they felt like they were written in and forced and kind of like, well, they were, you know, cause mm. apparently they just. When they signed Oscar Isaac, like then his career kind of blew up, but he was really good in the part. And so I guess they rewrote in and they're like, well, yeah, we won't make him die. So they rewrote uh, bits of the script so they could write him back into the story uh, a little bit more. So I think that he probably, I don't know what a lot of his lines after that, would who they would have gone to. Um, Greg Brun- yeah. Grunberg, I guess. I don't know. But because uh, there aren't any other really good pilots that would be that awesome. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm curious about some of that, but I feel like it's good. It's good that they, they kept him because I think it, they kind of, it creates that triad that, that triumvirate of characters like they have with Luke, Han and Leia. Um, it creates that new balance with, um, with Finn and Poe and Ray eventually, not now, but I, I would guess probably by the time episode nine rolls around, they'll kind of end up together as a group in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if, if Disney allows like a, a full on like Finn, Finn Poe coupling or something, that would be a switch mm-hmm. for Disney. It would be more reflective of the time, but it feels, you know, there's that like super bromance going on 
Right. So I don't know yeah, I mean, it, it is still that, Disney, but... so I think that's where you know they they would leave it. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, it's uh, it is interesting though that uh, you know they, they've discussed this and they brought it up, uh, and uh, you know there there isn't a definitive like oh no Finn is totally straight kind of deal. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It, they've they're willing to leave it ambiguous. Whereas, right, because you know, it doesn't. Other, like if other, somebody I mean, talked about a Chewie Han relationship, like I'm not sure that anybody would be going. Uh, yeah, mm, that that that's definitely not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Been known to tear your arms off if he comes first. Whoops! Hey, <laughs> right. too far. Hey, no. Okay, too far. All right, too far. Wow. Um, well, heard well no, well, supposedly your legs once in a while. Well, supposedly. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Supposedly, Lucas had wanted to make it canon that Han had actually married a Wookiee, not Chewbacca, obviously. Yeah, you don't even try anymore. But they mentioned that, but that was supposed <laughs> to be part of the story. They they mentioned that some of that, with, they were going to mention some of that in the holiday special, apparently, uh, which... I I still don't know technically if that's canon or not. I think they, they just no, prefer I, to forget it forever. Yeah. Uh, um, so yeah, who knows? Um, well, they kept the concept of life day apparently, but that's about it. Uh, which is probably a good thing, but, uh, yeah. So I liked, I liked some of that. I think that, um, the whole scene in the village was really good to, to kind of establish like, yes, the first order is evil. In case you forgot, these guys were from the Empire, which is evil. <laughs> so let's just show how evil they are. Right. Evil! Evil. Yeah. yeah. yeah and I, I know um, you and I have talked about this before, but I do think that there was a missed opportunity as far as, you know, the, the first appearance of, of Kylo when, you know, you've got somebody that files, fires the bolt, you know, or the blaster at him, and the blaster bolt yeah. is frozen in midair. And, and like you know, if you really wanted to make him a badass, you would have had him basically freeze that bolt, have a couple of the stormtroopers pick up the guy that fired it, you know, ask him for the information on where the 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 plan, uh, you know, the 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 message for BB-8 is, uh, and if you wanted to to torture him, lower him back onto the bolt, yeah, like that yeah. would have been completely badass, like. The idea that you're going it, to kill yourself with your own shot. It's true. The The two caveats I have for that from a storytelling perspective is, one, the guy who fired the shot was Poe. Uh, mm. So they're obviously not going to kill him yet because he's, he's now like a major character in the story. So it's like, no, we can't kill him. Um, that's a little too that's a little too more Damon Lindelof, I think, than 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 Abrams. But. Um, and then the second part of that is that's a little too, I think that's a little, and that's, as we said before, I think it's a little too much. Yeah. He'd be a badass for the adult. I think it's a little too much of a badass. And so, although to be fair, in the original trilogy, you had Vader force choking people to death on screen. Um, so yeah, there's that, but it's not, you're not literally watching it go through. It's like, you know, you're watching a blind, right. you're not watching it get impaled Vlad right. style. Right. Um, You're not zooming into his neck and watching all the bones crack and all that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's, I think, I think that's something Disney would have been like, eh, maybe that's a little too far. <laughs> it's a little too much. 
Yeah, just like, right, now. Yeah, you're, now like, you're making me envision Vader as like a uh, Mortal Kombat X character. It does. It does. Well, he does kind of have that. Well, when they set him up in the original trilogy, like he does have that feel to him, and even some of the video games, uh, like Force, like Force Unleashed, which technically I know isn't canon, but uh, it has those moments in it where it's like he's such a bat, like you know, slamming people left and right, and like knocking trees down with a flick of his hand, and it's just yeah. like. Yeah, I mean, they do establish it like he's been established in the EU, at least in in a lot of ways as a very, 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 very powerful guy. Um, I like that idea that Kylo Ren can't quite manage that because he's just not as cool as his granddad, Um, which is the theme they keep coming back to through the rest of the movie. Like he just can't quite get it up as well as 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 Vader did. Yeah. Uh, No, I think you're right. I mean, Star Wars has always been more about the. you know, uh, severing and cauterizing limbs than just about anything else, not rather than like any other yeah, type of that. graphic violence. Well, and right. the fact that the fact that Finn's friend with the hand on with the bloody hand on the on the face of the helmet, like that's really the only blood I think we've ever really seen in a Star Wars movie. You know, it's like, yeah. oh, okay, that's seriously right that's a whole new level. You know, you like, you don't see a lot of other than oh. when people get punched and you get that little, you know, the stage blood on the, on the lip, you know, just on the side there to show, cause he's been punched repeatedly. Yeah. Well, yeah. the empire strikes back. We saw the Tauntaun getting cut open and guts kind of boil coming out, but there was no blood. You see a bloody yeah. stump on the, um, the wampum. Well, right, but that's also yeah. and that's also a fictional like creature, though it's not yeah. a human being, right? Where, you know, so you see, like you see the lightsaber chop off the arm, but it's cauterized instantly. They're they're right, like screaming, the they're screaming in pain, they're like they're in pain for like five seconds, and then it's done. Right? right yeah, that's know? always one of the convenient points of the lightsaber is like you don't have yeah. like the the Dan Aykroyd, Julia Child moment where, you know, it's spurting yeah. blood all yeah. over the... Oh, I've cut the dick yeah. out of Yeah, my- exactly. <laughs> you know, it's still, it's it's still, a fa- even before Disney, it's still a family-friendly Very. property. And so, like, there's elements of that that you kind of want to... Right. It's good to push the envelope, but you don't want to, you know, set it on fire and, right. you know, sacrifice it to Baal or anything. Right. While you're doing that. Yeah. So. Like, even when Luke got his hand cut off and stuff, it was... I mean, it wasn't. Yeah, it was it like was, dark red. That's all you saw. It wasn't like. Well, like you didn't you said, even really like see that. All you saw. It. Well, you didn't even really see that. What you saw later was like a bloody bandage. Yeah. Right. And that's it. Like you never really see yeah. blood per se. And I was like, why would there be blood if it was cauterized? Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think you know. You're right. I, I, I think would think he would have been dripping. Like he would have been dripping blood. You know, something like right. that. Like ah. So I don't know. I yeah, so, you know, yeah, I, no, nobody uh, bleeds out in the Star Wars universe. So. Right, exactly. Nope. You never get the dramatic, the dramatic sort of death scene. Is like, uh, uh, you know, it's never. But yeah, you're in right. That, in that uh, classic uh, style, like the yeah. bloody handprint on the the helmet is, you know, it is kind of like a, a full leather or for, full metal jacket, uh, like you know, moment. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a very. Mm-hmm dramatic moment and I, I you know and obviously then it's very jarring that's another thing it's very jarring for finn in that moment you know it's his first battle so you get that you, i think that i know what they were kind of going for with that but in that idea of like he's suddenly realizing the horrors of you know combat and war and it's like being on the wrong side yeah well they're 
not necessarily. Well, that's the thing. He doesn't necessarily say whether he he just knows he just wants to get away from everything. Mm-hmm. Like he just wants yeah. to get away from the fighting. Yeah, right. He doesn't even think to like. Can I put in a transfer back to sanitation? I you know yeah, I don't like, like this. I just prefer to just keep sweeping up trash. Is that cool? Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, you know that they were talking on on a dropship on the way down there. It's like, you know, what do you think this battle is going to be like? And, uh, well, it can't be worse than uh, cleaning out uh, the Kylo's toilet after burrito night. You know, it's, yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Talk about the dark side of the force. Ugh. Whoa, <laughs> uh, he's flush with the power. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, in the battle, I think it was, I think like the, I, I, I could see the attempt they were trying to make to me, the battle was so one-sided because <laughs> you got these trained troops, even though they're still, some of them are still in their first fight or whatever. We got these trained troops going up against a group of civilians, basically like a, essentially a little, just oasis in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> just slaughter them all. It's like, well, yeah, you know, I don't know. Oh God, it's horrible. Uh, you know, like, well, yeah. You, you t- did you not know that when you signed up for the gig? <laughs> We're transferring you to the stormtrooper detachment. Oh boy! Ooh. Now we and get to play that, that brings up an interesting point. Just like because you know that just naturally, like some of those stormtroopers have to be, uh, you know, uh, like either from historical perspective or just innate ability better with like a, a, a rifle than they end up being. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. do they, do they have the accuracy trained out of them as part of like the, the boot camp? I wonder about that sometimes given that Finn talks about, it's interesting to me because Finn talks about being really good with a blaster because of his training as a stormtrooper, And yet every weapon that he is given, <laughs> it's so, like like in the Tie Fighter, he he gets a couple of, basically a couple of lucky shots off, um, and then later on when they're on Takadana and he's got like the lightsaber, but he's also got the blaster rifle. He is hitting a few people, but mostly like he's not even thinking about most of it. Like he doesn't, he never really wields the lightsaber well. He never like I'm just like it kind of puts the lie to all of everything that he's been taught in that way kind of the braggadocio of yeah I'm really good at this like Man. no no you're really not and that's okay dude just grow into it <laughs> you know? oh no but give, uh, give him a drain snake you know oh yeah yeah so you <laughs> give him a put you know give him a, give him the control panel for a trash compactor and he is the master of the universe you know right so just call him give Wally him, give him give him a laser broom and <laughs> mm. he can sweep up the sparks from Kylo destroying another console in anger. <laughs> it's like, shh, shh. but yeah, I, so yeah. And then, and then, you know, cause then we go from the, the shot and some people talked about that like this yeah. when, after, when they're in the shuttle, Finn's taking his helmet off and they kind of zoom in on him. He throws the helmet back on and then it cuts yeah. to Ray opening that panel. And she's got like kind of the same look. Um, and I read somewhere they were talking about, well, they share the same eyeline. I'm like, no, they really don't, but <laughs> that's okay. It's like the introduction of Ray was kind of interesting, I think, in that way, because she's like this girl is just out there working. I don't know. If, I don't know if you guys noticed that or not. Like Daisy Ridley reminded me a lot of Kira Knightley mm-hmm. and specifically like the very first Pirates of the Caribbean movie where she's kind of hot, but she's very independent and she's got that smile. She's got that very similar smile too. So it was kind of interesting to, 
to watch watch her work uh, in that way. And I like, I kind of enjoyed the whole thing. Like she's a very practical person mm-hmm. in the way that she's grown up getting the parts and things. But she's like, she's got the metal panel. She's using it as a sled. You know, she's got the netting for her for her really awesome speeder bike. Yeah, <laughs> like she's riding basically the equivalent of like a Harley. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> I don't know the big front end. Well, front end it doesn't even have a seat. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't need a seat. She just, <laughs> yeah. Well, it right. sort of does. I think it's got like the one seat. It's like a tractor seat almost. It's like basically like a piece of metal. Well, to me, it, it, it yeah. reminded me yeah. of um, what is it? The Chrysler. Um, God, I can't remember what the the motorcycle was where they just took a Viper engine and put a seat on it. Oh my goodness. I've not seen that, but now I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to Google that later. <laughs> that's not something. I, that's too much power between. I totally want to. I, didn't I would know, not want to be on. That I didn't thing. even know Chrysler made motorcycles, but maybe that's why. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a little creepy, but yeah, I'll have to. I'll have to. Yeah, I'll have to Google that and see. Yeah, if it's I can find a it. Chrysler Tomahawk. Oh huh, boy, interesting. But yeah, it, it's basically a, ven- a Viper engine with a seat on it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of. I'm always. Here's the interesting thing I thought about with with Ray, and this is because you know she's a teenager. She basically she's grown up on this planet, this desert planet with the scorching, endless scorching sun. How the hell does she keep her skin so clean? Right. Like, why is she not? Why does she not look like Jack Palance at this age? What's her secret? Already, you know, it's just like it's all the grease, maybe from all the you know ships and stuff that she's harvesting. Maybe I don't know. It's like she just. I mean, Natural, she does. She she like does cover up occasionally. It was like I thought it was interesting. She covers up inside in the darkness of the star destroyer, but then takes takes that all off outside mm. with the scorching sun would give her third degree burns on her exposed yeah. arms and legs. And like yeah. I just don't, I don't understand. I know it's movies, but you know that's Hollywood. They can exactly, do that. exactly, and. I thought that, and I, yeah, and like we were talking about the helmet, I thought the speeder design was kind of interesting. It's it's different enough to be like, yeah, this is this isn't your daddy's Star Wars. It's not Luke's hot rod, essentially Mustang on hover, you know, hover Mustang kind of thing going on. Well, um, but yeah, the original speeder was definitely uh, very seventies as far as uh, yeah. The design, well, it had that. It like- kind of evoked. Well, that's why I say Mustang. It kind of evoked that sort of hot rod style of the late '60s mm-hmm. with the Mustang style, like if it was like a Mustang convertible. Like it really had that kind of feel to it, mm-hmm. or like a late '60s kind of Corvette. You know, it had that because it had the windshield, and other other than that, it was pretty open. And I like that kind of that feeling for the time. It worked, you know, and that's great. Uh, but you know, these days kids are all about the motorbikes, so you got <laughs> you got to have the speeder bike. In the appropriate style, and that just seemed to work with a giant front wheel. You know, it's like okay, um, like a big wheel. What are you talking about? A little bit. Wheel. It kind of felt like it a little bit, like an adult, <laughs> like an adult sized big wheel. It's like eh, you know, no, but that's why it evoked for me like the idea of like a Harley, yeah, um, to to a much bigger extent. You know, like a Harley, almost a trike kind of size. Right. You yeah, big, yeah. you big fat tail, yeah. You know, on a side um, note, I thought that they were bringing back those, just uh, off-topic tangent, uh, that, uh, they were bringing back like adult-size big wheels and green machines and things like that so that you, you know. I believe they do exist in small numbers. You can I kind of find them. I just um, I remember reading I just, about that. Eh, 
Well, there's a a, a, a tricycle. I mean, yeah, there's a number of the reverse trikes that are out there. Polaris makes one. Um, There's a new company out there, uh, LEO Motors, that's going to be putting out like a $7,000 car. You know, the idea is that you get some insane fuel efficiency. And by Mm -hmm. putting the two wheels in the front and the one in the back, you get a little bit more stability because, uh, you know, the, 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 the turning was always the, the issue as far as like, if you actually had a trike trike. Right. Yeah. And, and by legally classifying it as, as a motorcycle, they can get away with a lot fewer safety features and, uh, um, which is fine. I mean, they, they still get the road stability, uh, like the Can-Am Spider has that too, the reverse with the two wheels in the front, but it's wide enough that it's, uh, like in California, it's not a motorcycle. It's considered like a recreational vehicle. Right. Yeah. They're, mm. they're like souped up golf carts. But you don't actually need a driver's license to ride a Can-Am Spider motorcycle. You don't need a motorcycle license in California for that. You don't? On the road? I don't you, you- think so. I, unless they cha- they may have changed it. It, it didn't originally. Some yeah, states we- Some states don't actually require a motorcycle license for... Well, no, because it doesn't have two wheels. Right. So it's not technically a motorcycle. I was talking so about this with a friend of mine. Yeah. I, th- I thought it went, but there were a couple um, criteria in, uh, to determine like what kind of license you got. Uh, it, it was the, how yeah. fast the vehicle went. Um, so like if it was if it was under thirty, you could get you can get away with like a moped license. Well, yeah, if it's like right. a fifty cc engine, if it's under fifty cc's, yeah, yeah. like a scooter and things, you don't necessarily need to register it as a vehicle, right? Um, but it's still street legal um, yeah. and things like that. They do they do something similar here in Arizona. Yeah, but okay, we're getting way off topic. Here. Anyway, sorry. sorry. All right, sorry. so um, I want an adult big wheel or green machine. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to your wife. That's not my problem. <laughs> um, Maybe I'll get it for my birthday. Yeah. Uh, so then, and then of course they've in in all of that they introduced BB-8, the yeah. absurdly cute droid. Mm-hmm. To very much fit kind of the modern sensibility of you don't need the clunky dildo shaped robot. <laughs> you got a ball now. <laughs> I don't know how that would work on a desert surface, but you know that's <laughs> I'll, I'll roll with it. And so to speak, he did, but yeah, so to speak, yeah. <laughs> um, I liked BBA. I like that they because they worked hard to give him a lot more personality. I think, yeah. That without being obnoxious, like, and they didn't show all of these weird abilities, like the idea, like you don't have rockets in your legs for the fly, whatever you like R2 kind of like, yeah, I can fly, whatever. Yeah. Um, Which only came up in the prequels, which I still don't, you know, I understand from a, from a filmmaking perspective, obviously why that didn't happen, but it's like, you can't, you Go back to the special editions and like CG in him flying somewhere. Well, I mean, putting him in the X Wing on the, you know, as they're getting ready for the Death Star run. Yeah. It's like they have the giant suction cups that are throwing him in the ship. Right. Yeah. Which I don't understand. Like, where does the suction cup let go? And how does BB 8 stay in the socket? That's what I want to know. Um, and then he gets back out again, like after after the ship gets damaged, like Poe po climbs out to check it real quick and then starts shooting at people. And it's like, and BB-8 pop pops the out. Bottom of it? Yeah, because yeah, that's yeah, how he I gets pulled that. up into it, too. When you're the when and that and they because they established that with the prequels 
Actually, I remember that because they established that with with the prequels in terms of getting the droids in the sockets. Although they could apparently eject and pop out the top, I guess they can also go down through the bottom of the ship as well when it's actually landed on its on its struts. Mm. You know, um, what does that do for the aerodynamics of this ship? That it's got a big hole in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, I'm sure there's a hatch or something. No, I know. It's fine. I, and it's it's space. <laughs> it's wizards. And it's and wi- yeah. Yeah. Wizards. It's magic. all magic. <laughs> You're an X-Wing pilot, Harry. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I kind of liked, I think it's interesting. Uh, I'm going to get back to Poe again real quick, just because I was thinking about it. Um, Character-wise, though, I like the fact that he's kind of very confident he obviously doesn't it doesn't bug it like he he was surprised by the whole blaster bolt thing in the force hmm. but the fact that he gets pulled up in front of him and just ba- essentially just starts mocking kylo to his face yeah to the mask a little like who starts talking you start talking i i can't tell with the, with all of this mm-hmm. you know it was like he basically just subtly like making fun of him and i don't know if that's just i'd be interested to find out if they explore the character more to find out if that's just kind of a false front mm. Whether he was like literally just getting his pants inside, or if he mm. just he like so believes in the rightness of the resistance and the rebel, you know, and the republic in that way that he just ultimately confident that nothing's gonna, nothing bad's gonna happen to him. Because mm. um, even even when Kylo tortures him later on the ship, like he's still just. He's still cracking jokes and then he's in pain and that's all he's saying until, until Finn breaks him, busts him out basically. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes a, then it becomes a, uh, a Bing Crosby, Bob Hope road movie. Oh, <laughs> the road to certain death, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. Well, but if you think no of singing, there was no musical numbers. No, but they didn't, they didn't get long. I think if he had, if, if it looked like if he had climbed out of the ship after they crashed, and they were wandering through the desert together. I'm pretty sure a song would have broken out. Mm-hmm. Maybe a know. tap dance routine or something. Maybe, maybe you know they could they could use the uh, they could use the bits of the uh, the stormtrooper armor as congos or something. You know, they could, right? Yeah, uh, that, that'll happen during the ice capades version. Mm, yeah, right. Yeah. That's right. Get the Ewoks out with the drums to reprise the Yup Nub song. You know? Yeah. <laughs> The stormtrooper xylophone, <laughs> like oh, that's so mean. Um, I liked. Okay, so oh uh, yeah, getting back to Ray, I like the idea. Everything they kind of established for her, it was pretty quickly done. Like they established Finn first, and then they established Ray. Poe is sort of established, but only in terms of helping Finn's story advance, really. If you look at like he's there at the beginning, but he's meant to get captured. So Finn has somebody to bust out and escape because he can't escape on his own. And he even admits it to him. Not willingly, but <laughs> he admits it to him like, you know, it's the right thing to do. You you need a pilot, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> he's almost embarrassed. Like, oh, yeah, fine. Can we go? Um, But that idea that... uh I don't know. It's, I thought that uh, maybe the bromance hit a little too quickly mm. or <laughs> it was a little weird, but uh, I, I'm, I'm cool with it. You know, I was like, all right. But then, then they established Ray again as a very, this very practical person, but she still has those very Skywalker esque qualities 
to her that echo episode four, like, like Brian was talking about earlier and that idea of like, she doesn't want to stay there mm-hmm. and yet she does. That's the, it's a weird dichotomy because she doesn't want to stay until, cause she's looking at all the ships taken off. Like it's clear that she's dreaming up about a life beyond Jakku, but then the minute she leaves, she feels like she has to go back. Mm. So I thought that was fascinating in that, in that way. And it, it does speak to, Maybe for me, it speaks to the idea of being homesick, being mm-hmm. kind of, you know, when you move away from a place that you've lived for so many years, especially if you grew up there mm-hmm. and then you end up, you know, like you're sitting there going, any, should I find an excuse to come back should, to stay? What should have like, oh, I'm out of money. Darn it. I need to move back to mm-hmm. wherever. Um, that idea of, you know, climbing back to your comfort zone as harsh as her life was, that was kind of her comfort zone. For the most part, like she was existing and she was surviving, knowing that yeah. she had a purpose. Well, and, and maybe you have a better perspective on this than I do. But I was trying to figure out, you know, really what what the industry of Jakku is like. It seems like almost the entire planet's economy is based off of salvaging like destroyed ships. Right. Junk. I think so. I don't know. Well, and the problem is you never see any larger cities like to me. It's similar to. And that's the thing, the desert planet, it's very similar to Tatooine in that way, where the idea is they're farming moisture. I was like, so they're selling moisture? What are they selling? Are they- well, no, I mean, that, that's almost I, like the local economy. That's not even like... Well, right, you know, but that's that's the truth. Uh, but that's the, I wonder, well, yeah, what you've got people selling their stuff to Ankar Plutt, who's basically shortchanging them for a bunch of stuff for a scrap of food. But it's like, where is he selling it then? Where's it? I mean, there's there must be a higher food chain. There must be a larger city. There must be some other parts because this is like a remote part of this planet, apparently, where they have a settlement. It's obviously not the only one like it. But yeah, I agree with you. Like, I don't understand how this planet operates. How does this? How does anybody survive on this planet for an extended period of time? Mm. Is it like Hawaii? Is it like Hawaii where that they have to ship everything in? (laughs) It's like. Well, no, I'm imagining like, you know, this is kind of one of those one of those stations where, you know, people are out there plucking this stuff so that, you know, far off in some other system, you've got somebody who's like putting together and restoring their vintage Star Destroyer. And like, (laughs) oh, man, I I need this antenna. Is that like uh, like a World War Two, like army soldiers who would mail themselves home a Jeep a piece at a time? Right. Yeah. (laughs) So it's box like, up know. the seats and send them home. Yeah, it's uh, kitchen utensils. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, no, I I can see that. I think it's um, I'm I'm interested as well. Something, and this is partially just a realization now. Was this idea of we talk about Poe having this? I think the Finn, all three of the main characters have this very big sense of false bravado mm-hmm. in everything they do. And yet the actions that subsequently happen kind of put the lie to it a little bit. Like they talk about Finn is, you know, Finn, like, yeah, I'm a badass or whatever. He meets right. Like, yeah, I am totally with the resistance, you know? And then the second or first order trooper shoves like run, you know, like he's yeah. fleeing for his life. Um, they go, to, they go to get the Falcon and, and Ray's like, I'm a pilot. They get on the ship and she immediately is driving the half the Falcon into the ground. It's like, okay, this is not good. 
you know, and they're and they're sitting there as they're trying to escape in the Falcon. They're like panting to us. It's okay. We can do this. We can do this. It's okay. Like yeah. pep talking to themselves to make sure they can survive. Um, that's the hero's journey, though, isn't it? We get to see how they fumble, kind of. Yeah, and are yeah, so a little like, bit. You know. It's it's more of it's kind of a to me like this version of it, it's kind of like the hero's journey combined with like a coming of age story. Yeah. In a way, you know, they're kind yeah. of growing into who they are meant to be. Right. And we still obviously because it's it the story doesn't end with the Force Awakens, we still don't know who they are yet. Right, exactly. In that way, because they're still trying to discover uh what their purpose is. Right. Um Right. Well, and they have a lot of history behind them. So yeah, this movie yeah. doesn't have to kind of it doesn't have to start over. It can actually build off uh, on what was what's already been established, right? You know? and, well, and like Brian was saying, it's kind of that idea of refreshing the history to say, yeah, this is what happened before, right? And we're going to throw little bits of it to you all throughout the movie as we sprinkle these old characters in there to remind mm-hmm. you, right? Uh, this is our, every uh, all of this has happened before, and all of this will happen again. Yep, uh, to borrow from yet another franchise. <laughs> Um, so, I mean, the fact that they're, the fact that Admiral Akbar is still alive and talking about this, about Starkiller base. And I was still waiting for him to be like, it's a trap, but yeah. no, you know, um, he keeps yelling that we don't know why I, <laughs> I was just trying to get a donut, man. What the hell? Yeah. It's a trap. <laughs> Diabetes. Well, I mean, that is why he's Admiral. That's true. It's no, true. nobody else had figured that one out yet. Yeah. Nope. Well, it's actually the only English he actually knows. That's <laughs> it's a trap. It's a trap. I will not buy this record. It's a trap. <laughs> he learned it in Thailand. Exactly. <laughs> his uh, his uh, his Mon Calamari Galactic Standard Dictionary is on the fritz. Uh, uh. You know, I have to say, I um, yeah. So then they, I will say, I love. The, the cuteness of it. and this was another part that reminded why Daisy Ridley kind of reminded me of Kira Knightley the the hand holding mm. as they're running through the bazaar or the trading post or whatever and she's like stop grabbing my hand you know it was yeah. very that I'm an independent person leave me alone right <laughs> you know I can totally kick ass just as well as you can I just right. proved it like 30 seconds ago yeah uh, and so that idea of Running and then you know, and then you got BB 8 who instantly is just like, Yeah, okay, I'm coming with you. I don't know who this black guy is, but I'm like, yeah, all right, right. You know, <laughs> um, you're wearing my boss's jacket, you probably killed him, but you know, needs must as the devil drive. So, right, let's go. Mm. I, I don't know what BB 8 was thinking. He's just kind of like, Oh, it doesn't occur to him to go, Wait, did you kill him? I mean, you're wearing his jacket, it feels like mm. you must have stripped his corpse. I don't know. Um, Maybe there's a key fob in the pocket, and he doesn't know any better. He's just following the uh... <laughs> find my find my robot. It's the it's actually the uh, well. There's a company that is selling a a life size BB-8 now with a remote, so you can control the movements. So maybe that's what it is. It's just kind of like fantastic. So they're not actually hand holding; they're actually fighting over BB-8's remote. Like, no, we got to right. roll in this way. That's right. Um, but apparently, it also responds to voice commands. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Not I my most it, interesting thing this week, but that's, no, we'll get. To you that. know, when I when I first saw BB-8, I thought that was pretty cool CGI that they were doing. Yeah, making. but it's actually a it's a practical robot with magnets and whatnot. For the and most part, my understanding yeah. was when they were filming the movie, 
a lot of a lot of it was still kind of CGI because they had especially the head because they hadn't quite mastered oh, right the full product until like when they showed up at Star Wars Celebration and rolled him out on stage right that was the actual working pro- prototype yeah yeah um, they still had the ball apparently just not I don't think they necessarily had the head for all the shots right but with the pre visualization technology that that Lucasfilm and Disney have developed they don't necessarily need it because they can generate the effect on site. Right. As they're shooting. So they can, they can, they can generate a lot of that ahead of time. So it makes it easier. Right. But as far as the actors are concerned, they, I mean, they're interacting with a real, well, and you can see it because they literally hand it off to each other at one point in the Falcon, you know, they're picking it up and giving it to each other. So yeah, Yeah. there is a, there are physical props to mess with, which I love. I still love that the, and that's the, the whole practical propping, like the bread and the water, like the Insta bread. Yeah, I still love that that was practical. That still blows me away every time I've seen it. I just like I was trying to see. I'm trying to watch for the where the tubes are and the things that they use to inflate everything. I'm like I cannot see it. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, but would you eat it if you were there? Would you eat it if that's all I had to eat? Yeah. Okay. To be fair, that's pretty much all she had to eat. She had like a like a stew or I don't know what that was. What the other the rest of her meal was. Mm-hmm. She had the bread and like a weird bowl of stew gruel, I guess. Right, space gruel. Yeah, uh. yeah, and I mean, supposedly it's a real product, but supposedly tastes awful. But mm. I mean, yeah, as far as Disney's concerned, you know, with the Star Wars Adventureland or whatever, that they could probably sell that stuff by the case if they decided yeah. to like do it up and actually have somebody create at least a palatable version. Well, they'll charge, yeah. you know, and they'll charge like twelve bucks a bowl, right? Uh, you know, in in pure Disney style, um, they could cross brand it with Graceland. Elvis Elvis Presley's "Don't Be Gruel." Oh, <laughs> no. Okay, <laughs> fine, whatever. <laughs> nah, I knew you wouldn't understand. <laughs> yeah, again, uh, you know, you talk about Jakku being a desert planet, and like, you know, the. Uh, kind of the, the standard rations or, or you know, currency that, that's developed there is a dehydrated food product. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, it's like bread is more powerful than gold, you know? Like, I would think water, maybe? No? Right. All right. No, no, they got that in giant troughs sitting outside for you to, like, just, like... For, for, your, giant, for, your, for your giant pigophant to go up and... I don't know what that animal was. <laughs> mm. Like, um, but I like that Finn was just like, when he runs up there and drinks it, he almost pukes. He's like, nope, nope, swallow it. <laughs> mm. they like, all right, fine. I'm still really thirsty. <laughs> and it goes right back in for it. Yeah. It's like, um, he doesn't know, you know, fish function in it. I don't know. Um, Blech. he does have that reaction like, oh God, this is so disgusting, <laughs> but I need to, I need to live. Um, I also liked, uh, I, I'm curious about, okay, so there was the whole, when they're arguing and then like Finn is trying to get BB-8 to tell her the, the thing of the base, like, fine, I'm not actually with the resistance. Just tell me what's going on. You know, the whole droid please moment. I wonder, part of me wonders if that was improvised. Mm. It feel, it felt like an improvised moment mm. in some ways. It didn't really feel super scripted, Mm-mm. but okay. So here's the real important question. So, he gives BB-8 the thumbs up, and BB-8 responds. Do you think he was giving him a thumbs up in return, or was he flipping him off? 
because you only see it's only got the one digit on the arm because it's a flamethrower basically it's a lighter it's essentially a lighter so you just see it come out and because it really looks like he it doesn't look like he did that you know flip it thumbs up it looks like he came out and you know so yeah i I will give it the benefit of the doubt and say that it's the thumbs up okay and that the fact that the uh the recent uh, clip for the uh the Lego episode seven came out and they also used it. I, I can't yeah, imagine yeah. Lego would be like, uh, yeah, let, we're going to use this. This was, well, maybe, flipping, you know? maybe it depends. Maybe it depends on the context too. So right. yeah. in the moment, it's not, it's not like a, uh, it's not like a, in, in my head yeah. canon, I prefer to think he's flipping them off. You know, it's like, how dare you make me lie to this cute girl? Like <laughs> the robot, yeah. even the robot thinks she's cute. You know, it's like, okay. Yeah. Um, which would be he awesome. Gave, I think it'd be funny yeah. for the robot to have that kind of personality nah. to be just because he's like a puppy. Like, yeah. Nah, he. Yeah. I think it was like the you got it, dude. You know, giving him the thumbs up, the thumbs up. Yeah, I guess. Well, it, it, to me, it, and see, the reason I thought why my head cannon has it set to he's like flipping Finn off is like you lied to me, you son of a bitch. Oh. you know, it's kind of it's that sense of betrayal almost. And and with as much personality as BB-8 had already shown up to that point. It wouldn't. I wouldn't put it past a robot to be able to do that. Mm. To well, some yeah, extent. and that's one of the things that's always separated the the droids in the Star Wars universe as opposed to some of the other sci-fi universes. Is general yeah. generally the robots are created with the happy, upbeat, positive personalities, whereas in Star Wars universe they they almost always have. Um, you know, some kind of personality quirk or trait to them. <laughs> like half of them are super neurotic. It. I mean, they're not and... like Marvin, but uh, you know, yeah. it, 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 it's it's something. Well, that, maybe like maybe, they, maybe they have three, attitude. Yeah. Maybe three PO is a little like Marvin, but yeah, it's a little more a little frantic neurotic. than Marvin. But he has that sort of like depressive neurotic quality to yeah. him. It's like yeah. we're all going to die. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, you know, even from the very get-go, it's like, uh, you know, don't take that tone of voice with me, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So exactly, they all kind of have that, have those moments and stuff. And then, of course, they get they get swept up in the freighter, and they meet Han and Chewie, and have that whole discussion about, wow, you're actually Han Solo. Seriously, is that that's? I thought he was a war hero. Huh? Even even Chewie's like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just here. Yeah. Um, which I thought, I mean, the whole scene was that that whole bit from the moment they end up on the freighter to the moment they escape was really funny. Like there were a lot of funny moments in there with Han and Chewie. And that's where the that's where the road movie really starts with those two, because mm-hmm. they're like they're like a bickering old couple you know, mm-hmm. through most of it. And yeah, I, I'll be honest and say that, um, you know, that is uh that's one of the rougher points I felt in the the movie. Like it, it felt like it was, it was almost just, you know, interjected in there so that it would give an excuse for Han and Chewie to be like, you know, included into the movie. Uh, it, it's like, yeah. you know, and, and you brought up the point previously, it's like, okay, at what point did you lose the millennium Falcon? And, you know, you have, for somebody that that spent as much time customizing the ships that you you don't have any method of tracking it for you know 
but he even know, and he even says the, that he the, did. The, That's the, the funny part. Sector or quadrant or whatever that you happen to be in. Well, and he even says he did, and that was the when they land on Takadana because they want to hurry to make sure they get the droid onto a clean ship. Because he's like, well, we track the Falcon, and better sure about the First Order can as well. I'm my reaction was like, well, if you could track the Falcon, how did you not know exactly where on the planet it was? Mm-hmm. Unless Ankar Plutt or somebody before him had pulled it, pulled the pulled the tracking device. Well, the way I read it was that something, but they they could do it within like within a system or within like a specific, you know, right sector. But as far as any kind of long range track, long range tracking, that that just didn't exist. But he even says like when they when she basically when they she explains who had the ship. And things he even said, I told you we should have checked the Western reaches. So they were on Jakku looking for the Falcon at some point. And so for me, it's like, wow, how did you miss that? It's a giant, it's, it's a giant disc sitting in front of a junkyard in the middle of nowhere. What, it what I'm imagining out. is that they were probably wandering through like the you know, the 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 shipyard there, and he's got his little key fob and like just hitting yeah. the button waiting for the lights to go on. Bloop, bloop. And the freighter's on the same <laughs> frequency, so he mistakes the freighter for the Millennium Falcon. I'm like, oh, I'll just take this thing. All right. <laughs> Good um, enough. Yeah, why not? Um, I feel <laughs> I don't know. I kind of I'm interested. I agree. I, I agree with you to an extent that like a lot of the Han and Chewy stuff felt forced. Pardon the pun. Uh, um but it was more that idea that it felt awkward and stiff i liked some of the comedy i think obviously it was to set up what you know was coming at the end yeah absolutely. that's the whole re- that's the whole reason they're in the movie plus you know harrison ford had broken his leg um peter mayhew can barely walk so they can't really those guys can't really move around a whole lot at this at this point in the movie um, well, that, that would have been great to have them show up in hover rounds yeah <laughs> yeah i mean it's or on segways or something you know i think it's i agree i think i think some of that was or but i liked i did like the comic moments of it and it really played well to that to establishing him ahead of time as this guy who is still trying to like charm people and talk his way out of stuff but ain't nothing's working anymore because he's basically done everything to everybody for so many years like nobody believes him anymore yeah. Um, you know, it's like, I gotta have those Glengarry leads. No, <laughs> he's kind of like Gil in The Simpsons. Like, he's trying to charm. Like, oh, There's I can't one more do it anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just one more Wrath Tar. Oh, I'm no good at this. But it does have that feel to that, so that Han, so it does set up that fall. And they foreshadow that so much with the. With the death squads, like there's no one else you can swindle. There's nowhere left to run. There, you know, your time's running out. You, you know, it's all of these very ominous threads throughout the movie that um, that foreshadow his his impending death. And so, I thought that was kind of interesting in a way. I still thought, you know, and in the books, it was in the in the EU and stuff. It was Chewie that died in a similar situation. Mm. Um, later on, because, you know, it's the EU. They don't have to kill off Han because he's, you know, the actor doesn't want to do it anymore. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, the I mean, you got to yeah. think about it this way. Like, how bad was Leah chewing him out day in, day out? But he's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go capture wild animals instead. Yeah. Uh, toodles. 
I'm gonna oh, yeah. I'm gonna go feed random crew members to wild animals. <laughs> right. Bye. Well, and they and they and I mean and they touch on that a little bit back at the resistance base where they talk about it. he's like, well, we each kind of had to process it, and, you know, process what happened in our own way. I'm still curious about like I know there's another there's another book coming out, uh, another novel coming out that centers on Leia and why she formed the resistance and things like that. So that so that I think some of that maybe I I suspect a lot of that will be filled in. Mm. Um, to an extent, at least from her point of view, uh, with with her and Han kind of going their separate ways a little bit, it sounds like they still he's been gone for a while, but not like the whole fifteen years. It's like he leaves and comes back. Yeah, every well, so I, I got the the feeling that it was an extended period of time, but well, yeah, yeah, no, I, mean, I, I, I kind I of got the idea that the the you know Leia dealt with it like by really just like really getting into like quilting and, and making pies. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, her own, own super fancy dresses, her own super fancy dresses and, and cargo vests. Uh, well, uh, yeah, yeah. All, all sorts of clothing for Ben, like, you know, so I'm going to make something black, but it's going to be flowy. It's going to have some nice <laughs> shoulders to it. Quiet mom. I'm listening to Depeche mode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> As he goes into his whole goth phase. Right, I'm worried about him. Yeah, I know. It's <laughs> parents, teach your kids about the dark side. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mom, um, we're out of dark chocolate covered sauerkraut. Oh, there he goes. Oh. <laughs> It'll make you feel bad, bad. <laughs> um I one of the things I think um, I'm, I'm kind of curious about. Uh, okay, well, let's talk about this then. The, the idea, the perception of the force in this movie, especially even more than all of the other six combined. Like it seems like people could do so much more with the force in this movie than they ever could in even the prequels when you had trained Jedi from birth almost. You know, where they like masters of the force. You got, you got, you got. Kylo holding blaster bolts, you know, pinning people in place physically, knocking them out uh, with a wave of his hand. You know, he could literally just make them lose consciousness, you know, like literally like telepathy uh, stuff that like you never saw in other parts of the force. And I'm wondering, obviously, that's kind of from a storytelling perspective, it's convenient because, you know, it's the force. You can make it do whatever the hell you want. But with so many years of kind of established established rules as to what the force can and cannot do, I was kind of curious what you felt about the fact that suddenly now the force is like a Swiss Army knife for everything. Yeah, no, like, and I think you do hit upon upon like a really good point as far as that's concerned is that you know you've gone from an entire like uh, if you look back at the original or the, the episodes one through three formalized schools, education programs, blah, 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 into, oh, yeah, well, I'm going to go have, like, a two-week training course at, uh, you know, on Dagobah with some dude that hasn't been doing this for a couple hundred years, uh, into, like, you know, I'm assuming that uh, Luke ran, like, you know, some weekend sessions up at, like, a, a nice resort. Maybe there was some, like, guide that you could order out of the back of Boy's Life. Um, 
you know, it, it, it's, it, there's almost no training to it. And to a certain extent that there may be a rediscovery going on as far as what the force can and can't do simply because there's nobody there to say that, Oh, well, no, the, you know, here's the most effective ways that you can utilize the force. Um, but it is interesting that, uh, for example, like Ray, as she's discovering it, um, you know, uh, like the, she just kind of gets the notion that she's going to force persuade the, uh, uh, you know, the Daniel Craig stormtrooper to like, you know, do exactly what she says. There's the, there's been no hinting. There's been no, you know, uh, precursor to that, that she's ever seen or been able to see that she's like, Oh, well, let me see if I can talk this guy into doing this. It's just like, eh, you're going to do well, this. And I think I think some of that feels like that to me felt like the idea because she had heard all the legends about like Luke Skywalker because he talked about I thought he was a myth so she she'd obviously heard all these stories of what Luke Skywalker could do what the Jedi could probably do and things like that um so and because it's interesting for me like the Force powers that she's exploring are very traditional in that way the telekinesis. The force, uh, the force persuasion kind of stuff. She doesn't do the, you know, knocking people out and um, all of the very. So maybe that's limited to the dark side. Maybe those are like, like we talk about, you know, it's kind of like lightning from the hands, the equivalent of lightning hands or whatever for uh, for this modern generation of Jedi in a sense. Like they can do all of this other stuff that's a little more nuanced with the telekinesis and things like that. You can really kind of pinpoint your control. Mm. a little bit more whereas like i said whereas for the light side whereas for ray things like that it just kind of those are things that just seem to occur to her whether whether it's because she was starting to train on at luke's luke's uh you know defunct academy or uh things like that you know i think that it does because everything she does is very generic for for a jedi in that way. Like you don't see anything new from that. All of the new stuff comes from Kylo. So I mean, that's interesting to me in that way. So I don't know. You know, I think there was a whole thing like Lucas as part of his article when he was talking, he was worried about star Wars, like the force becoming a mush of gobbledygook. And we talked about this in the last episode too. And I, I remember I was saying in episode four, I was like, well, yeah, it's a bunch of gobbledygook. It's a fictional device. You can literally make it do whatever you want it to do and justify it within your rules. No, so. come on. M- Midichlorians are real, man. They're they're a biological fact. <laughs> I do not believe it. Jedi are the result of intelligent design. <laughs> <laughs> now, it, it, I think it's been proven that uh, the midichlorian are actually a byproduct of Monsanto. Um, they're, they're part of like, you know, the crops in order to, to like feed some of the, the, the Republic, uh, worlds out there. Well, and, screw that then. I'm going to eat their GMOs, man. I, I want some Metachlorians. <laughs> can I just get like a, can I just get like a fistful so I can, you know, so I can move my couch next weekend. Right. Uh, I don't want to do anything fancy. I just want to rearrange my apartment, you know, without, without having to get help for beer and pizza, you know, <laughs> Um, you know, you maybe buy yourself beer and pizza. I could I could build that shelving unit without having to have no need tools or heavy lifting. <laughs> just, mm. Right? Yeah. I mean, just, 
for yeah. lazy people. Yeah, think, exactly. think of the extra money you could make as basically somebody that assembles IKEA furniture. I know, right? Jeez, right? that would be so awesome. Uh, <laughs> who needs a pickup truck? He's got the forest. Bring him. Yeah. Oh man. All right. It's so tiring, though. You know how hard it is to wave your hands around and direct stuff like it's Fantasia. Yeah. <laughs> Fantasia. Um. Yeah. So I I liked. So yeah. So you have those moments with the fort. You know, Ray's escaping and. Everybody's escaping. There's a lot of escaping in this movie mm-hmm. <laughs> from everywhere. Like everybody's running places without running. Like half the time they're walking, but most of the time they're flying and escaping to other places. They're starting their journey. I know, but it's still weird. <laughs> the force awakens. It's the force escapes. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's let's escape again. Everybody escape here. Escape the Death Star, Jumbo Death Star, the economy-sized Death Star. <laughs> that thing's massive. It's a Death Star full of Death Stars. <laughs> uh, now, I like, I, I have to admit, yeah, and some of the Starkiller base as a whole, it's as just a weird device. The idea is like, yeah, let's build a Death Star only much, much bigger. Hmm. This will totally work this time, I swear. Right. Because the small. The last time we had problems with entire ships flying into it. Let's make it it bigger. Let's make the holes even bigger for the ships to fly into. Why not? And we're going to put one trench right up to the only vulnerable position on the planet. That's all right. Right. We'll put a a childproof cap on top. It'll be fine. And we'll put screens (laughs) on all the exhaust ports. Yes. What exhaust ports? <laughs> well, and and some of it was like the idea, the trope that they had in, in the movie about it being powered by the sun was obviously that was a visual storytelling choice because in the novelization they talk about it's actually powered by a dark matter core. Ooh. So it doesn't have to have the power of the sun like that. Like it doesn't have to drain the sun to fire. It still needs to charge up for whatever reason. Right, but um, that was the But I, su- I suspect. Well, I suspect most of that is so that they can they have to shut off the light, the unused lights in the portions of the building and things, so they can funnel all the power back into into right. the fire. You know, turn the lights off. Let's turn the AC up to like eighty five. Right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, well, yeah, I like you know, that's uh, one of those things that uh, you know. Uh, with the original Death Stars, they were actually mobile. Like you, 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 yeah. You, you had the sense that they actually could warp uh, or, you know, move into hyperspace and, and like move from place to place. This one, you're parked next to a star that you're depleting. And when it's gone, you're now stuck with a planet that has a base well, on it and no more power source. And I, and I wonder, but I wonder about that, whether, because I think it actually is mobile because it, according to the in the in the movie physics, as they talk about, it, it actually drains the star with every shot. Like it actually takes the power from the entire sun, so they have to move to a whole another star system. Uh, see, I got the impression that it another was star. good for like five or six shots, and then mm. which then you have to deal with maybe, like a declining maybe. gravitational pull and all that crap. Well, maybe. Well, yeah, but they've got gravity generators. They can. I'm sure they can work around that. The uh, the lack of a general star to, to heat up the surface is probably why most of the surface is covered in snow. Uh, it sets their cooling tower. <laughs> they use water cooling for uh, for their Death Star. Um, 
Yeah, no, I, I there there are some elements, and this is one of those things. Like there are elements to it that are then like, eh, but uh, yeah, it's Star Wars. I'm willing to overlook it. You know, it's like it's fine. Wizards, it's, yeah, it's all good. Mm-hmm. Um, the, it's interesting to me when we talk about like Poe having survived, and you see him get out of the fighter, and thing, you know, and Finn is walking out there. Finn is so very single track. Like he's he's got a very single track mind, which is all about Ray. He's got this whole puppy dog attitude through most of the movie. Like he's very attached to her all of a sudden in a decidedly non-stalkery way, thankfully. Hmm. But this idea, like everything is driven. Like he doesn't know that Poe is that pilot, but he's immediately like, I'm going to go meet that guy and establish a new bromance and get him to go help me rescue Ray. Cause apparently nobody else wants to do it here. Mm-hmm. Like, did you ask anybody else? No, shut up. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go do this. And it turns out to be Poe. And he's like, well, dude, I can help you. I got the hookup with Leia. Let's go. Let's go chat. Yeah. <laughs> so, mm. and then and then they bring in this first order stormtrooper into this high level planning meeting about how to fight Star Killer Base. <laughs> he's just standing there, like, how do you know he's not a spy? What the hell? Um, which is fine. I don't mind. <laughs> so, you know, wizards. But then they have like you've got you've got Akbar. You've got all of these classic characters that kind of pop up in the course of the discussion. Um, you got the one token Asian scientist explaining the thermal regulator. You got Greg Brun- Grunberg over there just because it's a JJ Abrams movie. Um, I'm happy to see him in anything. That's fine. But still, you know, <laughs> aren't you a little fat for a pilot? I don't know. Oh. Uh, no, too much. All right. That's fair. Cut that. <laughs> we'll cut that part out. <laughs> Sorry, Grunny. Uh, um and then i have to okay this is one i forgot last time when we were talking about in episode four general hux to me it's first of all he he really channels hitler very well uh with that speech (laughs) i'm just waiting for the i'm amazed he wasn't like flapping his arm and like did you watch game footage of of hitler's nuremberg speeches Hmm. To to get that delivery down because it seemed to work really really well. Plus, I'm pretty sure he hates Ren with the heat of a thousand suns. I just hmm. he kind of they have this really weird kind of bitch fest going on because hmm. um, he's doing everything he can to throw Ren under the bus in front of Snoke like every single time. <laughs> and I really want them to just be like you know just getting like a cat fight or something. I'm pretty sure Kylo would win, but I don't hmm. know. What do you think? Well, I mean, you are you are you, you know for the fact that there's been a contentious relationship between, you know, the the Sith or the the Force users and the military uh, complex that that's existed. Yeah, and I can't imagine that just goes away because Vader dies. Mm-mm. Well, sure, no, and I think it's interesting because, well, like it's interesting to watch the relationship because in A New Hope. When you see that, essentially, well, in the way the script was originally written, the way it was kind of played was like Tarkin was the guy who was really the villain. Like he was the guy in charge on behalf of the Emperor and Vader was just sort of there. But with the prequels and then the subsequent movies, like Vader became like the big bad guy, especially in like Empire when he's force choking subordinates left and right. Because <laughs> I think he kills like four guys underneath him. Um 
in the course of the movie. So that's how, cause that's how, uh, what's his name? Captain Piet becomes Admiral of the entire Imperial Starfleet because <laughs> everybody above him gets choked to death. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, wow, what a way to get a promotion. Um, so yeah, the and, idea, and, yeah. And with, with Kylo, you kind of get the, the impression that like, it, it's like at some point, some stormtrooper shows up at his, you know, at his uh, quarters periodically. And it's like, yeah, I've got another box of puppies for uh, Kylo <laughs> Ren. Uh, where, do, where do you want to eat these? <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, well, yeah, there's that. It's kind of like that idea of, to me, it still speaks to that idea of Kylo's wannabe Vader status. Like he will never be that bad at, like he really wants to be considered that terrifying. And he is for most people. But Hux is like, feeling that dude, so, pardon my French. You owe another dollar. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, i sorry. I spent it all watching the movie four times. Oh! oh. Um, it's okay. But it, 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 Hux is totally like, I don't need this from you. You know, <laughs> it's ready mm-hmm. going all like real housewives on him a little bit. Yeah. Um, well, Kylo has the burnt. Darth Vader helmet, right? He's got the yeah. He's got the chart, and he's like, to, I like he talks to that. You know, he's like, I will, I will, you know, continue your legacy. Vader. The last poor Vader. I knew him. You know, he was my grandpa. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we know. We don't care. Right. Well, how did he get that thing? I was like, how did he get that helmet? That thing was burnt to a crisp. Uh, uh, who mm. knows? You know, and, and the ashes are like that. Is that his body? And like, <laughs> I'm just gonna put my helmet here. <laughs> Uh, I, I, I'm imagining that that came from like a cosplay house. It's like Vader replica burnt helmet. <laughs> mm. You know, it he comes with a, it, it comes it a little stand. Uh, yeah, yeah. He bought it on eBay from a Japanese collector. Right. Um, you know, they sent it to him and they're like, wait, is this what was prominent? Are you sure this is going to connect me with my grandfather's ghost? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, is he counting his money off to the side? Go, totally. Why does it say one of 50,000? <laughs> right. <laughs> Why does it say made in Taiwan for? <laughs> uh, it, yeah, it's uh, why. Why does it say made by the Trade Federation? <laughs> <laughs> inspected uh, by number one one zero one one. Inspected by two one B. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it's yeah. It's and that's the one thing. And then Poe resurfaces, and they get in the mid, and he still just is like totally after surviving the it, torture at the hands of the first order and escaping and crashing and getting away. And he still is like super absurdly optimistic, even though they're going on what essentially amounts to a suicide mission. <laughs> like, let's go team. Yeah. Yeah. Like Bob, the builder, like we can do it. <laughs> <laughs> Pull the pilot. <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, and, but I mean, he still pulled, managed to Me pull it out. It's are ready to go. He manages to pull it out, but only because Chewie decides to commit suicide in a in a death pact because Han is dead. Mm-hmm. You know, it sets off the charges to blow this giant hole that's just conveniently big enough for the X wing to squeeze through, mm-hmm. um, and and into this vast cavern that he can fly around in with no problem, right? <laughs> and just shoot everything in sight. Well, maybe this will work. <laughs> 
Not even a scratch. Well, like there's not even like a little tower. There's not like a specific Nothing. vulnerable point he has to shoot at. Just shoot up everything. Mm-hmm. And it'll be fine. Like, which is smart. Distributed failure. It's all good. Why not? Yeah. And I I will say it's it's interesting. Uh, and then going back to that before that, then when when speaking of Han's death, Han dies at the end, folks. I'm sorry. <laughs> Did you guys choke up? Can I can I ask you that? Did you when like the whole thing happened and I Chewie did, was crying and did you like get a little bit like whew, I know? did I did a little bit not so much at at the the look on his face when he's like dying because uh, apparently yeah. Harrison Ford's not really good at acting death. Oh. But to be fair, I don't think I've ever actually seen him die in a movie before. I think this is literally like the mm. first time mm. his character has like a character he's playing has ever actually died. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't do it very well. I think he just doesn't add practice, mm. um, which is fine. You know, I'm willing to let that go. It was just kind of a weird moment to be like, uh, you sure? Mm. <laughs> it's like he's sort of dead. Um, but it was like I could see it coming. Like you could tell it's the minute he steps out of the shadows to go follow him onto that very conveniently placed catwalk with absolutely no safety railings whatsoever. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, God, he's so dead. It's a trap. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, it was just like, huh. <laughs> yeah, but it's no, still hurt. I, I like, agree it's still with like, you. I, I think, you, it, know. you know, had it really come from out of nowhere, uh, it probably would have packed a little bit more emotional punch. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, they've been, you know, telecasting that throughout the entire movie. Right. Uh, and, right. yeah, the entire thing is like, yeah, we're going to create a walkway uh, 100 feet long with no railing on it. Over the yes. basically the bottomless chasm <laughs> that we tossed multiple characters down before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like this seems like a bit of a design flaw. Why don't we? Shouldn't we put some railings in? Well, you know, it's going to increase the budget. Eh, no. We'll get some estimates. Yeah, get some estimates. <laughs> right. So yeah. may, maybe it's some like, chain. Are you sure? That, are you sure this is GOSHA certified? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the Galactic <laughs> Occupational Safety and Health Administration. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, Finn could have prevented all of this by just uh, filing some OSHA reports. Yeah, yeah, yeah or, or you know, putting down a a, a, a a some clear coat or something to make the floor sticky. So it's just like eh, some something to hold tape. on to. Yeah, you know, just something something small. It doesn't be a lot. Um, I like the way Finn kind of. They, whether they're running, it's interesting that they all escape. The first thing I love was the Chewie just starts shooting. Yep. No hesitation. He's just like, I'm nope. just going to kill everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, and then myself by setting off the charges. Cause it really felt like he was trying to blow himself up. Mm. Um, I'm glad he didn't. No. But still, it was just kind of a funny moment. It was like, uh, what's the Wookiee word for jihad? It's <laughs> like, ah. No, two cents. Okay, yeah. Mm-mm. All right, Mm-mm. that's fair. Um, I don't condone that or suicide vests of any kind or any suicide for that matter. <laughs> it's no. not a good thing. No. Well, he does um, always have that uh, the sash with the the random uh, metal. Uh, oh, that's box. what's in those boxes. Explosives, <laughs> right? It's all filled with C four. <laughs> well, see, that's why that's why he stayed with Han all these years. He can't actually take that thing off. Mm. Right. <laughs> Han's got the key. <laughs> it's like his, it's the Wookiee chastity belt. <laughs> like Han's got oh, the key. Oh my goodness! Uh, <laughs> right. That, um, that, that's that's uh, Chewie's gambling debts. Like Han has his own to uh, 
That's what that's what the, that's what they mean by Wookiee life debt. <laughs> like if you try to take off, I de- I detonate your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that was that. Yeah, even I strained for that one. Oh my goodness. Um. So yeah, when they're escaping, of course they got the fight in the forest, which we saw coming a from the trailer and b from Ray's force vision. Mm-hmm. Um. I will say this. You know, Ray goes down pretty quickly. But to be fair, she, you know, she got thrown through the air 20 feet. I'm amazed she survived getting smacked against a tree like that. But, you know, mm-hmm. wizards. Oh, um, yeah, and, and she also hit the nice, smooth part of the tree, not the one that has the spiky branches. Or That's true. Well, she didn't have that. Well, it looked like there was one, like, stump of a branch, but it ended up, like, under her armpit. Like, just barely just went into that gap between her arm and her side. So it didn't, like, pierce her body. I was like, oh, good. That's... <laughs> <laughs> that's why no well and and props to finn for stepping up like as, as soon as she went down he's like all right i guess I'm it's in. the man's turn all right i'm yeah. in charge now i'm in charge dial it down <laughs> yeah take it easy <laughs> he's got the one weapon that uh, he's got like you know never mind the fact he's still got a blaster rifle that he could shoot <laughs> like nope, yeah, no i'm just gonna pull out the club um i'm gonna i'm gonna go fight the guy who's actually been trained to fight with these weapons yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. This will uh, end well. Yeah, exactly. You know, so it's, uh, Finn's like, I got your back. No, I got yours. <laughs> ah! yeah. No. Okay. Nope. Damn it. Mm-mm. I'm I'm tired. What do you, <laughs> they can't all be gems. Okay. Um, I was curious about, it's interesting to me. Um, I felt like, let me ask you this, uh, Panks. Now, now that we've arrived kind of toward the end of the movie, we've climaxed, Hans died, they blew Starkiller base up, everybody else gets away very conveniently. Um, when they when they go to leave, so Ray and Chewie leave Idlinium or where, with the resistance base to go fly to wherever Luke is now that, now that R2 has magically woken up. Um. Apparently, it takes that long to reboot after patching Windows, you know, Windows Vista <laughs> three thousand and five. Uh, so, so he reboots. He's got the the he's got everything in the map except for the little part that BB 8s missing. Like, really? That's a, that's the one piece everybody needed. <laughs> Seriously, right. like, the oh wait, there's the Luke. And like, why does R two not have the whole map? That's what I want to know. He was with Luke. Why is he missing the one piece of the map? Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, as far as that's concerned, like he picked that up from the original Empire Records. Yeah. Uh, you know, from the, the, the Death Star when he interfaced with the, the Empire before. It's like, you don't think that maybe the Empire might have invested a little bit of resources and like making sure the map's complete rather than having like the state of Utah like missing out of like the United States map. Right. Well, and couldn't they? And that's the thing. If they know how much is missing, couldn't they search that one part of the galaxy? Well, right. I mean, it's not it's not that big compared to the entire map of the galaxy. Like this one little piece. Like, go there. You've got the resources. Mm-hmm. Go search. It's fine. Right. Right. The Republic won't know what you're doing. They don't know where he is. Right. Get a Google Map ship over there just to like map the right. Because <laughs> well, they, the- they have some clues, and they're like, yeah, but this doesn't align with anything in the map. And we we, had, we don't have this one section right here uh, that, uh, you know, we could look at and maybe like yeah. manually go search. We could, like, extrapolate how much, uh, what, what possibities are in there in terms of habitable planets. Yeah. 
Right. I think it's the other thing I think is, well, the thing that bothers me about that, like the missing, the R2 is missing that one piece is, yeah, they have the Empire records, the Imperial archives and stuff, but he was with Luke on the planet with the tent, with the, the original Jedi Academy. Like, when did they separate? I have a feeling Luke filed a flight plan with him. Maybe it was just a corrupted sector. I don't know. Uh, in the file, maybe it was like, oh, darn, I'm missing this piece. Then BB-8's like, I got it. Um, it's Thumbs just up. weird. And then, and then how did it, how did it end up in, in Max von Sydow's hands at the beginning? Right. Like, where did he get it from? The yeah. one piece that happens to have the last, like, six planets that Luke went to. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and, and this fine, gets you know. back to, you know, you talked about, you know, Ray's origin story and all of that. And, you know, I, I think really it just adds more uh, ammunition to the idea that, you know, that Ray is related to Luke in some way, shape or form. Right, After the right. Academy basically went belly up, um, that Ray got passed off to um, Pluck or Puck mm-hmm. or whoever. Uncar Pluck. Pluck, Pluck. Um, that, cause you know, you see like the big fat, like yeah. greasy hand, uh, yeah. in the, in the, the flashback. It's an and important it's like, uh, plot you know, point. It's like, okay, here, um, take my friendship, take care of the girl. Um, I'll send you 10 francs every month. Uh, you know, and then like, you know, I we'll, will we'll pay you and, one quarter portion. <laughs> But yeah, uh, yeah no. it's like, you know, here, here's your down payment. Here's uh, everything. Uh, here's instructions. If anybody needs to find me, um, you know, kind of deal. And, uh, you know, it, yeah, it's, it, 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 it kind of lend, lends itself to that interpretation. Well, yeah. And it, I mean, it, it does feel like, judging from the movie, like definitely, Although for some reason Leia and Han didn't like Kylo sort of recognized her. So it does lend to that idea that she survived like she was probably and this was the theory that I'd read a friend of mine had posted on Facebook a couple weeks ago. There's a video talking about this that I think lends more credence to the idea that she is Luke's daughter, which mm-hmm. is kind of the prevailing theory. And that's the and it's like, why is she, she's Luke's daughter, but nobody recognizes her. It's this idea that Kylo, yeah, they had the slaughter at the Jedi Academy. He took her with him because he hadn't gone full dark side yet. Just couldn't bring himself to kill her and left her on Jakku, which is out in the middle, you know, way off in the remote part of space, apparently more remote than Tatooine or something. Hmm. Um, but specifically, nobody else knows that she's alive. And the fact is, like Luke, as far as Luke knows, she's dead with with all of his other students and things like that. So he has no reason to that's that's extra tragedy for him to kind of drive him into seclusion in that way. I think besides the fact that he failed Kylo, it's like he lost his daughter in the fight. I don't know how accurate that is, given that weird shot at the end, because we didn't have any dialogue from Luke. Look at with the two of them looking at each other. Right. He just had that like, oh. Yeah. I mean, it's it's still like, entirely possible because like, she's young enough. Yeah. She would have, growing up on Jakku, she probably would have developed an accent anyway. Um, But we'll see. You know, I think it, I think it certainly lends Creed's that I still want her to be a Kenobi, but that, you know, I'm happy to be wrong. Whatever. <laughs> now, I, I think that, uh, you know, Luke probably kept it hidden from 
you know, Leia and Han and everybody else. It, it was a little bit of an embarrassment. Like he got drunk at Moss Eisley one night, had a met a chick. Turned you know, out to kinda, be Ben Kenobi's granddaughter. The, <laughs> I, I am the guy you're looking for. Nine months later, gets a call out of the blue. You know, next up for bit. you, the power converters. Me, <laughs> <laughs> right? So she's a little bit of a shame baby, you know, and uh, he's trying to keep it under under wraps. But he's still going to train her in the ways of the Force, you know, because right. naturally that's what you do for every 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 Jedi who's Force sensitive. Everybody who's Force sensitive, you must automatically make them a Jedi, or else. Well, no, no, no. She's looking for child support, like back child support. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm not giving you your lightsaber back until I get my money. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like, Ooh. um, yeah, okay. Well, I'm curious about. What I thought was interesting was kind of in most cases, and this was the other thing that leads to the the idea. It's like, well, this isn't your daddy's Star Wars. The idea that I think if Lucas had directed, it would have ended with Ray and Chewie taking off in the Millennium Falcon and the rest of them like waving on the planet with the crane shot. I would think it would have closed to credits there as opposed yeah, to I, taking I, the two I, extra I minutes to go to the, the water planet. It was to close to credit with them hitting uh, hyper, like the, the hyperspace. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It kind of had that mo- it had that feel to it, and I was like, and then they're flying to the water. I'm like, oh man, it's just going to turn into Return of the King with like seven endings in a row. <laughs> but no, thankfully it didn't. Um, just her, you know the the English girl who went up a hill and came down a Jedi. Uh, <laughs> she climbs she climbs that mountain in the middle of nowhere, literally in the middle of nowhere. Um. That Luke has been sitting on. I I think it's funny. There's a there's a parody Twitter account called Very Lonely Luke, which is <laughs> it's it's supposed to be him twittering from this island from this from this island planet that he's living on, and it's basically him just like bitching about how the rocks hate him and like how lonely he is <laughs> all the time. It's really funny. Oh, that's great. But it got that that account got into a fight with emo Kylo Ren. Oh. Which is one of the other parody Twitter accounts. And they're basically going back and forth about like who's more badass. <laughs> it's really, it's like, oh yeah, that's fine, whatever. And, uh, you know, Kyle, I don't know how that started. It was very short lived, but very lonely. Luke definitely came out on top on that one. Just be wiped the floor with with Kylo. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I think it's also very possible that that Luke's hanging out there because you know he took out some high interest loans to start his school. They turned him mm. over to collections, like you know, they, yeah. no matter where he They're went, looking for him. And he got rid of part of the map so no one would find him. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> now it's all making Capa- sense. Capital One will find you anywhere. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Right. That's the fra- That's what. That's what they mean by "what's in your wallet." Not. Not what card do you have? Where's my money? What's in yeah. your wallet? Yeah. What's in you your know? wallet? <laughs> Show me right now. What's, what's in your wallet? What's in your wallet? All right, we'll take mm-hmm. that. We'll be back next mm-hmm. month. Yep. <laughs> so, um, yeah, they'll get you anywhere, and you can't discharge that in the galactic bankruptcy court anymore. So, it's like, oh, because now, well, no, because he used it to open a school, so technically, it's an education loan, mm. uh, right? So he, he doesn't get to discharge that in bankruptcy; he has to pay it off. Um, although, then again, the republic got blown up, so. Maybe, maybe they can write off that debt. Yeah, but not, not the Trade Federation. Like, <laughs> they're well, still we, don't, we don't know. 
Well, no, they ended um, the Trade Gift Federation got slaughtered at the end of episode at the end of the Clone Wars. Basically, was the idea was basically they ended the Trade Federation. They had all those. They had all the. They had their own debts to pay off. I think they owed the like the Iron Bank of Bravos or something, right? Um, <laughs> so no, they just couldn't afford to stay in business. Got folded into the Trump Corporation, the Trump Organization. Uh, mm. No, okay, that's fair. All right. Oh man, so yes, Star Wars: The Force Awakens. So, what do you think? Okay, just for fun. What do you think the opening scene of episode eight will be? Mm-hmm. Well, you and I talked about this uh, previously, and uh, you know, I I imagine that it would be a fair jump forward in the future, um, but I'm actually going to to retract that based off of the little ten second clip that they uh, introduced earlier this week uh, as the. Uh, like to celebrate the start of filming on episode eight because right, they right. do start out on like Luke's like hideaway Island. Mm. So I do think that it would be a continuation directly from there. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Well, it's not necessarily the first scene in the movie though. True. But it, first, me, it first but also, but also they shot on that Island. That was like three or four months ago. Um, they actually shot pre-production. They did some pre-production shooting there to get off the because they they had a huge. Apparently, their environmental impact on this national natural historic site in Ireland was a little bit rougher than it should have been. Mm. So they needed to. They basically got kicked off the island. <laughs> they got voted off the island, literally. <laughs> um, well, they they did they. They had some of those shots, but then they had to because that that's the stuff they were showing in that in that trailer, in that teaser for the opening of production. A lot of that was from that earlier shoot, mm-hmm. and then they had to move off the. They literally had to rebuild the island on a soundstage oh. uh, because of the environment environmental problems they had with a hundred people trudging up and down those ancient steps, and because apparently they broke some steps and they did oh. it, not intentionally. Like they they were trying to be very careful, but it still sort of happened. Um, so that, so I don't know how much of that is left over or if it's, uh, how much that, and that's my thing is I think it's pre-production shooting. I'm not a hundred percent sure on that, uh, for sure, but we'll see. I, I would love for the opening. I want, I want, I want the, I want the opening to be the bromance. Like Finn wakes up, Finn wakes up and Poe's sitting there and decides like reading a book. You know, or something like, oh, my God, you're awake. Um, sort of thing. BB-8's just, BB-8's kind of just lolling in the corner, like, eh, yeah. I'm bored. <laughs> like a little kid, you know. Can I stop recording now, guys? <laughs> Fine, whatever. Brian, what about you? What do you think? I think, uh, I think there's going to be a little bit of a flashback somewhere. Uh, and then we'll, and then eventually we'll wind up uh, you know, on the island, but I, but in, I, there's got to be something because uh, you know there's there's always some exciting uh, scene that opens up in Star Wars, right? There's something, so I'm I'm just thinking there's there's got to be there's going to be something. There's going to be uh, either a flashback or we're going to be there's we're going to be introduced to something new, and then eventually, you know, of course, we'll wind up where 
Well, like keeping out, keeping in tradition, theoretically, they should start in space. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it would be interesting. Oh, there's an interesting idea. Maybe they start in space with the Millennium Falcon approaching the planet. They basically just repeat the last thirty seconds of the, of Episode Seven. Yeah, with with yeah. the with the ship landing again, just so snippets Something. of her climbing the hill again and get back to that point, so that right. they can start. Well, no, no, no. You you only saw Ray on the island. Like the the the, the next movie will start with Chewie circling the planet looking for a parking spot. Well, no, they no because They're remember right. she. She started climbing up the hill. She looks back down, and there's the Falcon, and R2 and Chewie are just kind of standing there outside of it like, Oh, okay. We'll, we'll, we'll here. be here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We'll wait here. You do what you got to do. Yeah. R2, you want to make some coffee? <laughs> it's like, whatever. Yeah. I piss coffee. You know, whatever. But <laughs> R2's got to be crusted, like, really. like I, I feel like R2 would be, like, a super cranky old man droid by now because <laughs> he's well he's well, well he's well rested I don't well know he's the right he's, he's the repair well they woke him up from his nap for whatever so right. they could give him directions like yeah whatever just leave me alone uh, can i go back to sleep right, uh, get off my lawn exactly yeah. that's why i feel like r2 has become the get off my lawn droid yeah um so i do want to see like r2 and bb8 back together again so he's just like get away from me kid you bother me yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You, to, want, to be honest to like there is definitely the um the feeling, the you know, the the older pet and you know older cat kitten relationship or dog and puppy, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> My, like Z Frank, Milo, Milo the, and Otis. You know, have you guys seen the Z Frank uh, things where uh, it was? Um, oh yeah, I think it. You know, what I'm talking about it was like cat food. Uh, Com- uh, yeah, the, a long the, commercial. Yeah, the, not recently. Yeah, He's making like videos again or something like that. He's like, dear like, kitten. Mm. Doing the Super Bowl and things like that. Yeah. Like the, yeah. Oh, okay. Right on. We'll right put on. It, we'll put a link in the show notes. They're pretty funny. The Z Frank. Cool. All right. Well, I think I now I feel like we really are all talked out about the Force Awakens for now. Yeah. So we can suspend this discussion until Rogue One comes out. <laughs> Yay! When is that coming out? De- this year, December. Uh, yeah, end yeah. of this year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. yeah, that'll be exciting. Um, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy! I'd be interested. To, well, and it's the first like really original, completely original sort of Star Wars story. Yeah. Well, sort of, yeah. I mean, it's it's because it's not involving a Skywalker. It's literally just like a whole new set of people. So I'm mm-hmm. interested to see what they do with it. Uh, for sure. Yeah. You know? Have there been any trailers for it yet? No. No, no, because they're still they're okay. still in. I think they're still in post. Okay. I suspect we'll probably start stealing trailers around Memorial Day with the summer movie glut. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. for sure. So we'll start seeing teasers for the actual trailer. Right, right. Then we'll see the trailer for the trailer. We'll, we'll get as teasers for the trailer, the teaser trailer, trailer. Mm-hmm. And then we'll get the get the actual trailer for the trailer. Then we'll get a teaser for the trailer. And then the actual trailer at some point. Does Disney have any events this year? No, D23 is not this year, is it? No. They're doing. I think they. I think they're doing uh, a D twenty three. I think they're doing it overseas, though. I don't think they're doing a D twenty three here. I think it's in oh. Paris. Okay. I think it's in Europe maybe this year. Will get, maybe something will get released around that time. We'll see. Well, they they do like the Star Wars celebration every year. Mm-hmm. You know, May fourth. So I suspect we'll see more. We may see more right. of that. We may. That makes more sense. Uh, so yeah, who knows? We'll, yeah, we'll just have to be. We have to be patient. We shall. So with that, we should be patient and sound the spoiler horn one last time so that we can mark when we're coming out of this. 
Okay. <clears throat> so yeah, good discussion. I think it was. I do. I do feel now completely vented from from the Force Awakens until until I get engaged by yeah. somebody else and start talking about it at length again. Right. Still a lot of uh, mysteries, but I think we're supposed to have those mysteries. Yeah, no, I love. I actually movie. love that there's a lot of unanswered questions. Yeah, and I do my best to try and avoid the internet when it comes to endless discussion about these things because it's like, oh man, I don't right. really, I don't care who you know Finn's baby mama was. I just, mm-hmm. I just it doesn't matter. We'll find out later right. if we need to. Right, right. Uh, so, and I'll probably do what I did. You know, with Rogue One, I'll, like I'll see the trailer and that will be it. Like I will studiously avoid spoilers just so I can watch the whole movie and in, in the experience. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that that helped a lot with uh, Force Awakens. Like I was really careful about avoiding spoilers after the front final trailer came out. Like I went out of my way to be like, nope, not reading it till later. Nope. Um, so yeah, we'll see. Good, good discussion though. Very Thank good. You for that. So, alrighty, I believe. It's the most interesting thing of the week. Mm-hmm. So, Brian Selke. Yes. What is the most interesting thing you've seen this week? All right. Well, this week, I actually bought something that uh, has made my life a little easier. It's a thing called... Lube. <laughs> no. Lube. No? Okay. What? <laughs> no. Uh, it's a little product called KeySmart. Okay. And KeySmart, what KeySmart is, quite simply, is it's like a Swiss Army knife for your keys, right? So it's a little key. So instead of you having a big wad of keys in mm-hmm. your pocket that sometimes pokes you and you, you know, whatever, or it's just, you know, big and bulky and whatever, this thing actually allows you to stack your keys on two separate sides and then slide them together. To make this like okay. Swiss Army knife type of, of key ring. Yep, I've seen that, and it's amazing. Yeah. I just got it. Uh, I just got it a couple of days ago, and I put. I only have six keys. I put the six keys on there. What a difference! It really is. It. I, I wouldn't have thought it was that big of a deal, but I was like, that's pretty cool. Right on. Cool. Yeah. Key key, smart. Key Unfortunately, smart. that is physically impossible for me to use. This is my key <laughs> <thing>. <laughs> I think you, I think you need a bag of holding for all those keys. Wow! I actually do have a bag of holding. <laughs> yeah, as do I, and the backpack of holding that I use regularly. You're not a night watchman somewhere, are you? Why Why do you have Why do you have all those keys? Lots of different places. Yes, I see. Yeah. Anyway, um, so that's that's my cool. thing. So smart. Key smart. Very cool. So, mm-hmm. Brian Panks, do you do you or your cat behind you have anything interesting? The most interesting thing this week, or? Uh, well, uh, it's been from making our a few recording last week, yeah. uh, you know, my prediction was Deadpool, which uh, surpassed even my still, expectations. It was still holds. Yeah. And have I, you guys seen Deadpool? Have you seen it? I still haven't yet. I was. I meant. No, to, I haven't seen it either because we uh, but because I've, we were pushed this recording back a day. I was actually going to go tonight after oh, work to see it, but we pushed oh, the recording back. So I'm right. going to probably go tomorrow after work. Yeah, not for kids, it, though, it really is. is not, I cannot imagine. A better introduction of that character to the masses. Um, mm. You know, they did it, uh, it. It focused on the fact that Deadpool is a dark character, is a violent character, yeah. is basically insane, and uh, you know, uh, is willing to break the fourth wall. Um, and they did it in a man in a manner that didn't go overboard on any of those. 
it would have been very easy for them to go too far in any one direction uh, for yeah, any of sure. those traits. And they really struck a, a wonderful balance as far as that's concerned. Right on, yeah. right on. Yeah. It's I'm looking forward to seeing it for sure. Um, yeah, I would love to see and, that. In fact, I can even tie that into Star Wars because the article came out today. Deadpool apparently beat Star Wars' box office record <gasps> in Russia. Oh, for the opening, it, it, they don't tell you that part in the headline. Right. You have to oh. actually click through. Freaking clickbait. Well, you have to click through, and then it's like, oh, it's in Russia. Well, come on, guys. I mean, sure, yay, but eh, yeah. it's still got a long way to go before it catches up to Star Wars. Still, uh, oh yeah. No, oh, the the yeah. the um, other thing that I will say is the you know kind of the cool thing for the week uh, was the announcement today of the full lineup of voice talent for the reboot of Master of Orion. Yes, I saw that video. Yeah, for the the video game is getting an update, yes. the old uh, strategy game, which I remember playing. It was kind of uh, it was sort of a successor to Civilization. Right. A little bit by Sid Meier. And so I guess they're, yeah, they're rebooting with all new graphics and new yeah, dialogue I mean, and they've got a new race in there. And yeah, the video is really cool. So yeah, I mean, that, that game was... I mean, it really did establish almost a, a new genre. And, and yes, Civilization was, uh, you know, kind of one of the precursors as far as that's concerned. But, you know, as far as the, the people that they've got uh, in there, they've got Kat Cressida, John Delancey, you know, Q from uh, Next Generation, right. Robert England uh, from uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, Mark, Mark Hamill. Hamill. Yep. Uh, <laughs> you've got um, Michael Dorn. Worf from Next Generation. Uh, you've got uh, Dwight you got, Schultz, Mad Murdock. Yeah. And uh, Reg Barkley from Star Trek. Yeah. Uh, you got uh, who else? Alan Tudyk. Yeah. Alan from Tudyk. From Firefly. Woo. Wash forever. Woo. Uh, John Kassir, who was the original voice of the Crypt Keeper. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> Among other things, he's done a ton of voices over the year, but he's in that. As, he's sure. doing that as well. And. Uh, yeah, no, some, and uh, Troy Baker, who wasn't in the video, but I, I know his work, and uh, he's a really cool guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but he works, he's been working animation all, he's one of the younger generation of voiceover actors. He's amazing, though. Mm. Um, so I know he's got Weird. a role in that, too, which... Yeah, um, I mean, and if that's, if that's any indication at all, as far as the production values that they're putting into this reboot, yeah. like this game is... Just going to be incredible. I mean, that's, I can't tell you how many hundreds of hours I put into Moo or Moo 2 when it came out. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's it's just an amazing game. And for those who are thinking of buying it, I, I read an article. I think they're releasing, you can, when when it comes, not yet, but I think it's in a month or two, or so, they, they'll, they'll do pre-orders on Steam and uh, and and GOG as well, GOG. Uh, but they're actually also going to include when you order that special bundle, you will get all three original Master of Orion games in right. it as well. Yeah, the third was one cool. wasn't wasn't that great, but okay. uh, I know, never played it. I don't know. I the never first two, yeah, the first it, two were incredible. Yeah, I loved I loved Moo Two especially. Um, I never, yeah, I never got to play Moo Three, so I don't know. But I'll take your word for it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. On that, but yeah, the original Moo and Moo and Moo Two were really, really good. So yes, the the rebooted Master of Orion and Deadpool, because uh, Deadpool will always win. Mm-hmm. So, 
My interesting thing this week, I'm actually, I, I had another pick originally and I'm changing it up because I, it was something that kind of uh, affected me a little bit. I watched this movie. It's called The Way. Uh, now, this came out about four or five years ago. It's actually out on Netflix and Amazon streaming. Uh, it was directed by Emilio Estevez and stars Martin Sheen. And he's basically, Martin Sheen's playing this guy whose son was kind of backpacking around Europe and and dies in an accident. So he goes over to collect the body, mm. finds out his son was, going, was about to set off on this pilgrimage trail called the uh, Camino Santiago de Compostela. I think that's the full name of it. It is an actual real trail that wends about 500 miles from Paris down through um, – through Spain down to the coast. I don't remember exactly in the town of Santiago. Um, and it basically was supposedly it was a pilgrimage that was taken by St. James. So mm-hmm. a lot of people do it for religious reasons, whatever, but it goes through the Pyrenees and it's, and it's supposed to be really challenging. The idea is you're supposed to walk the trail. It's kind of like the Appalachian trail uh, here in the mm-hmm. States. Mm-hmm. Uh, things like that. There, there are there are a number of these trails all throughout the world. That's the Campo Santiago is kind of like the most well known one that exists. Mm-hmm. And so he, on the spur of the moment, decides to take his son's ashes and go on this journey. So it's him kind of on this walk, uh, almost like a walkabout, essentially. Like he kind of mm-hmm. just drops everything. He had a thriving. He's a doctor. He had a thriving practice at home, mm-hmm. whatever. And he just decides to take this journey. And he ends up picking up some traveling companions along the way. It's almost like the kind of the archetypes of the Wizard of Oz a little bit hmm. um, in that way. But it's 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 funny and it's touching. It made me it I will admit it kind of made me ugly cry a little bit at the end. Oh, um, which I have not been affected by a movie like that in a really long time. So it was kind of like it was really interesting to kind of hmm. watch hmm. his sort of healing journey and some of the vistas and they it really got kind of got my wanderlust going again. <laughs> so yeah, I've I been mean, tra- it almost traveling like a, a walk time, in the woods. So. Hmm. A little bit, yeah. Um maybe maybe to a little bit. I like I like the idea. Martin Sheen's character is like really surly through a lot of the movie. Obviously, because he just lost his son, and he he's a very private guy, and he even he's not sure why he decided to go on this journey. <laughs> he's just mm-hmm. kind of like, I just need to do it. Um, so yeah, yeah, a little bit. It's a little bit like Walk in the Woods. I thought it was very well done. Um, it has a good soundtrack, some interesting song choices and things, and some of the elements that kind of explore. One of the first guys he picks up is basically like the Cowardly Lion, but it's this blustery drunken dutch guy uh, who's like the party dude like he's basically taking the walk ostensibly to lose weight hmm. um and you find out later on in the walk like the real reason why he's like the underlying the actual reason why he's why he's on this walk and they all every character has that sort of subtext that eventually gets revealed like they all have this kind of surface reason why they're doing it or why they think they're doing it and then it kind of gets revealed like, well, no, we're doing it for this much more deeply personal reason. Mm-hmm. And so that that was kind of cool. Like I really liked watching the reveal of that. The storytelling was really well done. The direction was great. Um, so, yeah, no, I really, really enjoyed it. So definitely folks should check that out. Like I said, it's on Netflix right now. It's on Amazon Instant Streaming, which is how I watched it. Awesome. Because I didn't know it was on Netflix. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, definitely check out The Way. 
for sure. The so, way. Yeah. So nice. we had, well, and I'll uh, ask you guys because I finished this in the last week. Uh, but uh, have either of you read uh, Welcome Player One? Oh, Ready Player One. Ready, Ready Player One. I haven't no. yet. It's oh. on my. I've got a stack of books that I'm working my way to. It is in my. It is my pile of things I want to get to. For sure. What's that? Um, it's a book by Ernest Klein. Yep, you got it. Ernie, Ernie, it was like his. It's like it was like his first big breakthrough novel. Hmm. Um, I don't remember the exact plot. It's kind of set in the future. It involves gaming, like mm-hmm. video gaming, I believe. To yeah, some extent, Brian, you can describe it a little bit better uh, than I can. You know, the, the the summary of the plot is that uh, uh, you you you've got a almost like a World of Warcraft uh, Second Life interface that has become really the core of the internet at this point. And the guy that helped create it uh, dies. And as soon as he dies, um, you know, he releases a video, which is like in the really very much the vein of the old, like um, uh, million dollar mystery or uh, tale of the golden horse or whatever those, the, the old school VHS videos that would be like, in here are your clues as to where the treasure is hidden. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, sets off a worldwide quest to solve his little Easter eggs as he, he that he's implanted in this virtual world. Um, and the, the, the person that solves the mystery wins the company. You know, which is okay. essentially like a, you know, a, a so like Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory a little bit, exactly. So mm. shades of that, interesting. Okay, I'll be interested because I know that uh, that's uh, they're they're making a movie of that. Yeah, and that, as that, well. that actually got yeah. bumped by uh, as they are doing this rewrite for episode eight. Right, uh, they they rescheduled it to land uh, in the the window for uh, Ready Player One. And uh, the the people that are putting out, and I don't know which studio it is. I don't know. Uh, I know Spielberg's directing. He's probably like, no, nah, I don't want none of that. Right. He's <laughs> like, yeah, not not doing that. So yeah, they so. bumped that up to like four months out to like March or May of uh, 2018. Yeah. I, d- I definitely want to. I do want to read that book. I, I'm curious. Like, I know Will Wheaton narrated the audiobook version as well. Yeah. Of of that also. And then Ernie Klein, his second book, Armada, which came out last year, I think, or this the yeah, I think it was last last spring. Uh I, I kinda wanna read that too, because it sounds like it's almost like a rehash to the plot of The Last Starfighter, which is one of my favorite all time movies. Mm. Um But yeah, no, definitely it's on my list. So yeah. I'm looking forward and, and to reading. I, mean, I will say that I from the, the people that I've talked to that uh, have read the book, you know, it appears that I'm in a minority, but, uh, you know, I found it to, to almost be really much more like one of those drunk conversations that you have with your friends where you're like listing off like all the Commodore 64 games that you can remember, <laughs> uh, with, you know, yeah. with, rather than like, discuss what made them cool and, and, you know, why they were so, so memorable. It's more like, Oh, do you remember this one kind of thing? (laughs) 
If we had our own bar, we could just live here forever together. Right. Oh, man. Yeah. No, I, well, and, and maybe that's okay. I don't know. Until I read the book, I, you know, and I look at it this way. It's his first book. Hmm. As far yeah. as I, if I remember correctly, I believe that's his, like his debut novel. So, mm-hmm. you know, if it's good enough to gain as much attention, hopefully he'll just get better. Even if it's, even if it's not like the most perfect novel ever, he'll, maybe he'll just get better and right. become one of the, the new masters of the genre, which we kind of yeah. need, you know? Yeah. John Scalzi can only do so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no. Okay. So cool. Very awesome. Cool. Well, I think we've hit the end of our time and then some. Uh, uh, Brian, thank you for uh, Brian Panks. Thank you for yeah. awakening your own force long enough to to sit through this yes. with us. <laughs> no problem. Uh, again, we really appreciate you coming on again, and thank you. We Panks. may have to save it and have you back on when Rogue One comes out at the end of the year. <laughs> oh yes. Do more, uh, do more of this kind of breakdown stuff. Uh, I think he's yeah. going to become our go-to Star Wars guy at this rate. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, definitely. We appreciate that. And, uh, Brian, of course, thank you for co-hosting as always. No, thank you. No, 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 no. Thank you. Thank you. And the horse you rode in on. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) Thank you. And your mom too. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) yes, exactly. Um, so, uh, and thank you to our listener out there. Uh, we appreciate you tuning in. Uh, please spread the word about the show if you could. Uh, we are on iTunes, I swear. Uh, <laughs> I saw it. We want to. We want to keep trending up in Pakistan again. We do. Um, and Slovenia. And Slovenia. Well, we're not on the charts in Slovenia yet. I know. Um, we want to be trending everywhere. So get get your. I swear, we have a listener. At least I know, a listener I know, in Slovenia. I know. I believe you. I believe you. I promise. Uh, they may not be subscribed in iTunes, though. Who knows? They may be just downloading oh. it directly from our website, which is briantrustpodcast.com. Ooh, well uh, yeah, Thank you. And you can, we linked all our episodes on our Facebook page, which is you know facebook.com slash thebriantrust. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're also available on Twitter, at thebriantrust for the show. Uh, individually, I am at actorgeek. And I am at a uh, at the <laughs> Selkie. What was I about to say? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, I am well, at a random Twitter handle. I am at a Twitter account. Yes. <laughs> Some random Twitter account. He he changes it from week to week. You never know which account he's actually on at any given like time. moving target. Indeed. Uh, at, at B. Selke. At B. Selke. So. S-E-L-K-E. Uh, please, if you like the episode, feel free to rate and review us on iTunes if that's where you get it. Uh, if you get it through other podcatchers like um, Overcast or... Uh, what whatever your favorite one is, um, and they allow you to recommend it, please recommend it. Talk to us on Twitter. Give us feedback. We'd love to hear from you. Sure. If you are a Brian or you know someone named Brian who wants to be a guest on the show, we will entertain the notion, and we may even say yes. You never know. Yeah. Uh, in the meantime, then, for episode 006, I think we are going to wrap it up because um, – Yeah, I, I, I still got to come up with a good clothesline. I we, don't know. We just, yeah, you... you woo. <laughs> Fizzle at the end there.